Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Yes. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Too Much Information is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Too Much Information, the show that brings you the secret stories and little-known facts behind your favorite movies, music, TV shows, and more. We are your high-maintenance host of hilarious histories, your platonic pals of pop culture particulars, your favorite sweet and salty duo just brimming with sexual tension. No. My name is Jordan Runtug. No. No? No. Request denied. I should have read this closer. (laughs) That's not what the comments say. (laughs) Nope. Well, today, we are, let's move right along. We are talking about a movie that is near and dear to me as a guy who spent the better part of his life residing in the friend zone, just hoping that she would notice me. This is a movie that always filled my sadly deluded heart with hope. We are talking about When Harry Met Sally, which turns 35 this year. This is a movie that examines the complexities of love and relationships, or at least a specific kind of relationship. Rich, white, cisgender city dwellers during an economic boom time, the likes of which we will never see again. But still good, still good. It follows the ups and downs of Harry Burns and Sally Albright's relationship as they navigate their individual romantic endeavors and personal growth over the course of 12 years. Yes, some of the points are a little cliche these days, and there are parts that maybe didn't age very well, but it is beloved nonetheless because it gave a semi-realistic portrayal of modern relationships, (laughs) and also, more importantly, offered perhaps the most famous depiction of the battle of the sexes since Billie Jean King (laughs) took down Bobby Riggs on the tennis court. The movie's iconic (laughs) line, men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way, is still debated to this day, yet the film screenwriter, the legendary Nora Ephron, didn't see that as the focal point of the movie. She said in 2008, I don't think that the movie's about friendship at all. I think the movie is about men and women and how they see everything, including friendship and sex, from completely different vantage points. Now, Heigl and I can't be trusted to have a nuanced discussion about relationships. So today, 
We are thrilled to announce <laughs> guests. We have guests. We've tidied the place up. We have a new recording interface. This is so exciting. We have podcasting royalty, Brooke Sifrin, and Arisha Skidmore-Williams of Wondery's Even the Rich, one of the most endlessly addictive biography podcasts on the internet. Their recent season on Prince Harry was directly responsible for getting me back into the crown. So thank you for that and all the hours that I lost uh. not doing <laughs> Ooh, I've got, got to come back to that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just going to hit up Netflix. I was just listening to the, about them on the radio. There was like a news thing about how they're doing so fucking yeah. well. And I was like, how are they doing so well when we all agreed we weren't going to get subscriptions after they stopped us from password sharing? But apparently I'm the only one doing that. So now I, I think everybody caved. That's my guess is that everybody's keeping their, I did you know. it. I still... <laughs> And I just click, I'm I've, traveling. I refuse. I've never been penalized really? still. Like, I haven't even gotten a pop-up or anything. So I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm Who's just going to let it Who's are you using? Happen. Mine. Well, that's but good. But we have it at this place and, this, and a second place. So there's other people oh. at different places using it. So I don't know. We're just sliding under the radar, you know? So <laughs> shut up. Don't say anything about it. But it's more than just the royal family. You have epic dynastic family scandals, including... The Kennedys, Chappaquiddick incident, Drew Barrymore and her show business yeah. family, Patty Hearst's mm. The Gettys, who we just talked about mm. on the Studio 54 episode about the guy who got his ear sliced oh. off. Yeah, there you go. Bring it, bring yeah. it back together. Uh, wow, wow, Paul. You just launched yeah. a spinoff series, Even the Royals, which, again, mm -hmm. is a must for any Crown devotees. Uh, but you also wrapped a season of Even the Rich with Snoop Dogg. And Martha Stewart, which I did not see coming. Yeah. How did you land on that? You know, we didn't see it coming either. We don't have any sex. <laughs> we never see anything coming. They tell us what we're doing. We just show Everything. up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, oh, okay, this is fun. Like, I mean, who doesn't love Snoop and Martha and their friendship? Like, it's so wild. Yeah. So it's, it's a really fun season because it kind of focuses on both of them separately and then their friendship together at the end. So, yeah, yeah it's I don't know how they decided on that, but. It's topical. Now, how I actually, I my, my first job was at VH1 where I think their show was. Ah. How did they come together? Was it just a bunch of producers who thought it would be a funny combination? Yeah, I think there he was, was just a, on he her came show, on her right? show. Yeah, and they just had yeah. really, really good chemistry. Um, yeah. And they're like, we got to we gotta ride this wave. <laughs> Cash in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't have enough money, each of us, on our own. So. I respect I respect Snoop for literally uh, endorsing anything. Like, just whatever it is, yeah. his, he just stamps yeah. his name on it and collects yeah. the check. And, and I respect yeah. that. So I have to think they bonded yeah. over, like, uh, a mutual... <laughs> right? Like, savvy. hey, this is going to work. <laughs> yeah. You have a towel line? Yeah. I have a weed line. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. What was the most Perfect. surprising or endearing thing that you learned about about their friendship or relationship? Well, I I love I don't know if we learned this during the season, but like my favorite thing about them or favorite story I've heard is during the roast. What whatever roast they were. Oh, on. you're right. Yeah. And she like got a contact <laughs> high basically from Snoop or something, and like had yeah. told that story, and I'm like, I love that so much. Like, I just love the idea of Martha Stewart being high. Yeah. You know, it's just like classic. She's so I don't know if you guys like I don't know what your social media is like, but like comments by celeb will periodically post. <laughs> it's like this Instagram account where they like post like when a oh, celeb yeah. comments yeah, on yeah. things. And I feel like at least once a month we get like a Snoop Dogg comment on a Martha Stewart post or vice versa. Like there was literally just yeah. one today. Just today. Where Snoop yeah. had like posted a bunch of Libras which I'm a Libra, so I loved it. <laughs> and Martha was like, don't forget the Leos. We're pretty cool, too. But it's just like their friendship is so 
fun and fresh and nobody saw coming. Yeah. And we just need more yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel stage managed in a way that no. like a ton of these do. Like no, I actually can't like I, I like the idea that, you know, I used to work for page six and oh. so like I'm familiar with publicists. <laughs> oh. So I like I, bet you are. I, I think <laughs> we met working at People magazine <laughs> together. So it, yeah, we we oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, we've been in yeah. that world. So we've been in that world. Um but yeah, I Love I it. I can't imagine like a publicist running either of their Instagrams and like commenting on each other about if yeah. so is yeah. it great those publicists yeah. deserve raises hmm. yeah right, right. I also feel yeah. like you get to a point in your life and in your career where you're like I got it from here right. I'll say what I want to say <laughs> you know sure. and yeah. it's so, so established rule. off yeah yes. yeah yes. yeah Heigl does oh, our man. friendship feel stage managed it feels podcast managed <laughs> Let's ask Whatever our that means. Our, yeah. I don't know. That was just a quip. I didn't have anything behind that. Just like our relationship. <laughs> oh. oh. Sorry, that was like yeah. a, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf couple bickering at dinner party. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Buddy. I love you. I'm sorry. Thank we'll you. talk about Thank it later. You. Thank you. Thank you. Not in front of the not in front of the guests. <laughs> I need some help with the potatoes now. <laughs> I think you guys seem very authentic in your friendship. Oh, thank you. I assume you guys also have weekly sleepovers like we do. I'm oh, so well, jealous. No, we're on, we, no, we're, yeah, we're on different coasts. Uh, oh. Yeah. Well, there's cameras. There's Zoom, <laughs> right? No, that would be such a terrible sleepover. But we were in a band together, and sick. on tour, we were like the Bucket family, like head to foot in beds. We all shared a bed, a couple rooms, right? <laughs> uh, we until you guys like got the golden Charlie, ticket to go to Wonka's factory. You know, Willy Wonka factory. The grandparents. <laughs> Well, Brooke, I've been told that you are not a big fan of When Harry Met Sally. And as somebody who wants to be a hospitable host, that horrifies me. But my favorite episodes <laughs> are the ones where I'm torturing uh -huh. Heigl because I make him talk about something he hates. What are your thoughts okay. on When Harry Met Sally? Or what's your beef with When Harry Met Sally? Thank you so much for asking, Jordan. Um, <laughs> we really need to give space for hating, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. we need. I, yeah. okay, as a rom-com in general, it's fine. But my biggest problem is that I don't feel the romantic chemistry between the two leads. And that's a big problem, I think, in a rom-com. Yeah, that's, that's one of the I've most important it. parts. It's okay. funny because I just rewatched it. And it's funny because, like, I it's either, like, comedy has moved so far on from Billy Crystal's whole deal that there's, like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's scanning as uncanny. Defined as? <laughs> Well, I mean, like, there's a part, you know, like the whole thing, at, like right at the end after they like have their, you know, their their final New Year's Eve kiss, and he just immediately starts riffing. Yeah. And it's like that's that seems so like on on. I forget what he even is like quipping about, like Old Lang Syne. Like, he's like riffing on the lyrics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's like riffing on the lyrics oh, of yeah, Old Lang Syne, and it's just like that just seems so scans is so inauthentic. This like you know these this these decades later mm. and. You know, it's kind of like I think it's a real descendant of like the Groucho Marx movies where the whole thing just grinds to a halt so that your big marquee name comedian mm. can just do his shtick. Um, Robin Williams right. probably mm. kind of sure. knocked that out of yeah, the yeah, stratosphere. Yeah. yeah. That's <sighs> very Robin Williams. And then like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's it's funny because like watching it, I'm like, oh, I see different shitty versions of myself in each different <laughs> shitty version of Billy Crystal. <laughs> but like it's still throughout the uh -huh. movie, there's so many things to dislike about him. <laughs> well, okay, well we'll 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 get to that. Arisha, how about you? How you where do you fall in this movie? Well, this is what's crazy. I'm like well known as a rom com aficionado. I love rom coms. More than Brooke, yeah, I'm sure you guys have read several articles about her. <laughs> yeah, but I had never seen this movie. Whoa. I knew about it, but I'd never watched it. So I watched it for this. Um, 
Oh my god, what do you think? Not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. I don't like it. Okay. I I mean, it's it's okay. I think we got some iconic lines that I'd already known about obviously, yes. but sure. Um I, you know, echoing what Brooke said, I didn't I didn't feel the chemistry. Billy Crystal, I love him. I don't think he's rom-com lead material. I think he was mm. one of my mm. favorite movies that he's in is America's Sweethearts. Oh which he my wrote. god. Oh, and yeah. I he think that? he yeah, I think he no, wrote it in like. It. No, oh, I he think wrote he, it. He had to do with its creation. In so, everyone's googling. <gasps> okay, prove me right or wrong. <laughs> he had. He had. He, it was like his idea or something to make it happen. Oh my now, god, there's you're a right. movie yeah, with some chemistry. It, yeah. Yeah. Didn't know. That. Yeah, so he wrote it, co-wrote it, and like I feel like he he is he's so funny. I I like whenever I watch movies with people, I always like Wikipedia them, and he just like looking into him, he just seems like such a wonderful person. He just doesn't give me like rom-com lead. He gives me like mm. rom-com best friend. Goofy or friend, yeah. Friend. They solved that in When Harry Met Sally by giving him the schlubbiest best friend. <laughs> like a guy who oh, respect- <laughs> respectfully, you cannot imagine in any mm-hmm. universe pulling Carrie Fisher. So just want to get that out of the right. way. Yeah. I just want to say I'm cosplaying as Billy Crystal right now. I wore my cable net sweater like I he did wore. see oh, yeah. that yeah. in the move-in Love scene. it. Yeah. Thank you. It's a great sweater. Thank you, Thank you very it much. It is. Great. It looks yeah. so cozy. Wait, where are you? Are you in New it York? Does. I'm in New York, yeah. No, so okay. It's, it's and Alex, you're in LA? I'm in Berkeley, uh, Bay Area. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Nice. Well, yeah. I like this movie because I saw it when I was young and stupid, which I think <laughs> is crucial. Yeah. Uh, I was <laughs> an immature. So, yeah. Yeah, I was an immature young man who was constantly falling in love with my female friends and hoping they'd one day wake up and realize that they felt the same about me and that we were perfect together. And this worked out exactly zero times. Um, Uh Has anybody? I'm still that person. (laughs) Oh, no. So, I'm still falling in love with my friends and they're like, who the f*** are you? So, I hear that. (laughs) I get it. They're like, wow, you're really throwing the word friend around a lot, lady. Um, (laughs) Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever been really in that situation where I'm like just pining after a friend. Mm. So I don't know. Well, I'm, I love that for you. I'm glad. I'm, I'm very. Thank you. Yeah, congrats. congratulations. Yeah, I'm always just swatting them away with a bat, you know? I'm like, <laughs> oh, stop, I'm taking, I'm taking. Hi, Gol. We've all shared. <laughs> um, I think I kind of actually only in high school. Um, mm. Yeah. And it was it was yeah. probably similar to yours, but it was not. I promise you. But okay. <laughs> I, I, I wrote plays for this girl that okay, I really liked. No, didn't do that. Max no. Fisher oh from Rushmore. Oh yeah. No, didn't do that. Yeah, my my biggest bad. simp move was the classic ask for their um, ask for their locker combination. And I made chocolate covered strawberries. Oh. For her birthday. I've never heard that Cute. as a move. That's great. That's, That's tremendous. Incredible. I don't think you could do that in today's climate. They'd be like, do you have a gun? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant phys- like literally. They would oh, oh, allergies. The chocolate well, would be like. <laughs> That's an unintentionally resonant uh, uh, piece of topical humor. Yeah. It's like not yeah, with global yeah. warming. That'll never work. Never. Never work. <laughs> Chocolate covered strawberries in this economy? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah that's no, the other thing too. Yeah, right? Lots of reasons. Well. Yeah. That is cute though. That's a, that's a, that's a nice move. I respect it. That is a it. nice move. Yeah. I used to put yeah. secret admirer letters in their lockers. Okay. Ooh. Really? Like you'd slide it through the little. Yep. And like it went terribly. Because the first time what I ever said? did that, everyone knew it was me because I have very distinct handwriting. Um... <laughs> And then the second and there was time, Reese's peanut butter cup residue on the note. <laughs> no, there was not. <laughs> this was before I was super into Reese's. But then oh, uh, okay. 
another time I I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to like send all these anonymous secret admirer letters with different fonts and the names of the font will spell out my name. That's how they'll know it's me. Um, that and is I stopped, I think, on like the C. High concept. Comic Sans. <laughs> it is high concept. Yeah. And that's a problem is I'm always going after these dumb idiots yeah. that can't use their you gotta brains weed out for the dummies. I got to be honest. Like, so, I, you yeah, know, that worked out really well. I was an English major. I think that one would have gone right over my head. I'm sorry. I'm not a, I'm not a puzzle oh, guy. Like, is that, an, ana- is, that an, head. is that an acrostic or an <laughs> anacrusis? What the, what's the what's the word play thing that we're talking about? Like spelling. Exactly what you said. It's, okay. it's what the Zodiac those, used for sure. in those things he published in the paper. <laughs> yeah, it's a cipher. They it's were, whatever that she is. She was yeah. cutting letters out of magazines, and they were like, is she it's trying to kill me Zodiac. or bang me? <laughs> Honestly, it's a thin line for me. <laughs> well, to make Such you all feel line. better, the young woman I wrote the play for when I was like 15, I, I was on a plane, and there, there was a legitimate engine problem, and like one of the engines was smoking, and I thought we were going to crash. I was really scared. Oh my and god! Were so you guys I, in I, the air? Yeah, we were in the air, and I uh, there was an air sickness bag in front of me, and I wrote a love note to her, thinking I don't know what I was thinking. I was just panicked, and I thought it would be found on my <laughs> She's body. She's going to find it they, in the rubble, and, right? Yeah, I don't know. And so I we <laughs> landed obviously, me. and I was okay. And I landed, and I said, "Oh my god, yeah, this crazy flight." And I, oh my god, I did this crazy thing. I actually wrote you this goofy note on a air sickness bag and she was like oh well i'd like to see that uh you know why should you have to be dead to tell me how you really feel about me Aww. and so i oh, showed wow. it to her and then it freaked her out and she didn't speak to me for like a year she's like maybe you should have been dead then yeah yeah it would have that, <laughs> that would have been preferable so that would have been preferable after reading this i was gonna say well, we I imagine like ninth grade i imagine like an fta yeah, investigator like sifting through the wreckage and he finds your your charred little hand <laughs> clutching this bag and just goes nerd yeah <laughs> Putting it into a plastic bag. <laughs> Grim. Oh, well, no. you guys have Grim, an idea yes. of the of the tenor of the show now. Uh, yes. Yes. I love it. Well, yeah. I don't just love this movie solely because it validates my most pathetic tendencies, of which I have many. But Nora Ephron's hilarious script broke new ground in the old tried and true rom com area. Rather than having a villain come between the two star-crossed lovers or some other contrived misunderstanding between them, the only thing that keeps Harry and Sally apart are their own insecurities and neuroses, which I think makes it very realistic. And also, moreover, it illustrates the significant role that timing plays in relationships, positing the notion that two people must come together at the right moment in their lives in order to truly connect. And I think that's what makes mm-hmm. When Harry Met Sally one of the more relatable and realistic rom-coms. Yeah. Timing is everything. I just, like, for me, too, I also really, um, I'm so tired of, like, the gray shot-on-digital, like, content slop and slurry <laughs> that we're all just being forced onto at every moment of every day that I just, like, I see something that was, like, shot on film and, like, on location yeah. and somebody worked on the script. Mm-hmm. It doesn't read like it was written by ChatGPT or someone without health insurance, mm, and yeah. you're just like, this is just a <laughs> work of art, you know? Like the- Too real. <laughs> you know what? That's a really good point, because, like, we, Arisha and I always talk about how rom-coms today don't feel the way that rom-coms used to feel, and that might be a big part of it, honestly. Yeah. Like, you may have nailed one of the bigger yeah. issues there. I think a lot of it also can come down to the fact that, like, the filtering system for those casting in those things has like shifted to social media like Mm -hmm. you have uh, TikTok influencers and like Instagram influencers (sighs) and comedians who are getting like shuffled into these roles and like I'm sorry respectfully Mm -hmm. to 
her, but I, like Addison Ray doesn't have like Addison the Ray. comic chops that Meg Ryan does. And no one like, Do you know, get us started. Insert. Well, I mean, like insert male figure like ha- in that same situation has not come up in the same like circles that, you know, uh, Billy Crystal has. So there's just like. They're just not equipped to do any kind of actual movie work, you know? And so you see people who yeah, do, and you're yeah. like, wow, what a treat when things were actually made well. We used to be a proper country. <laughs> yeah. Right. We used oh, to be. Yeah, God. I love your hot takes, Heigl. I did be. not think I'd get a, a rom-com hot take out of you. I'm I mean, thrilled. I'm a big Rob Reiner guy, too. I think this is, like, part of his, like, imperial mm-hmm. era, too, when he was just knocking it out of the park at every <laughs> at-bat, you know? <laughs> Because this, especially this, is like close yeah. to misery too, which is a different yeah, kind of right different kind of rom com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Oh, we are gonna have so much fun on this! I can't wait. Let's dive in. From the bizarre role the film's screenwriter played in Watergate, and the presidential kid who played a bit part, to the time Tom Hanks and Molly Ringwald nearly played the titular characters and the long-lost bummer ending, the surprise genesis of the famous deli scene, the struggle to come up with the title, and the beloved British royal who couldn't get enough of this film, here's everything you didn't know about When Harry Met Sally. All right, so in a sense, When Harry Met Sally is loosely based on a true story. The characters of Harry and Sally are basically the alter egos of director Rob Reiner and writer Nora Ephron. By the mid-80s, Reiner was floundering in singledom following his divorce from fellow 70s sitcom royalty turned beloved 80s director Penny Marshall. Vernon right. uh, Shirley, uh, big. It's like it's it's kind of crazy how their paths diverged. It really uh-huh. is. But remained parallel. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Hell of a couple. Oh yeah. Reiner had just completed This Is Spinal Tap and was pitching newly buzzy screenwriter Nora Ephron movie ideas over lunch at New York's Russian Tea Room one day in 1984. As she recalled, his ideas were bad, and she rejected them immediately, which was, quote, very embarrassing because we hadn't even ordered lunch yet, which is a perfect Nora Ephron line. Yeah. Yeah. Ephron was also newly single, as we'll discuss in a moment, and the pair spent the rest of the meal discussing the different ways that men and women view sex, love, and relationships. Gradually, the bare bones of a movie took shape. As Ephron remembered it, Reiner summed up the plot as, two people become friends after the end of their first major relationship in each of their lives, and they make a decision not to have sex because it'll ruin the friendship. And then they have sex, and it ruins the friendship. (laughs) Nora agreed to write a script based loosely on Reiner's dating experiences, which Ephron deemed horrifying, but not surprising, (laughs) which I take to mean offensive and deeply misogynistic. Probably. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Reiner later told the AV Club, I'd been married for 10 years and I'd been single for 10 years. And during that time when I was single, I kept being in and out of different relationships and they didn't go so good. And I kept getting confused. How do you make friendships? If you have sex, does that ruin the friendship? All those questions that are brought up in the film. I said, this has got to be the basis for something here. So I went to Nora and I told her about it. And she said, I like that idea. And she started interviewing me. She was like a reporter, and I told her all these stories of different things I'd been through. And from these stories, she crafted the character of Harry Burns. And she would later say in a DVD featurette for the 20th anniversary of the movie, he's basically Rob Reiner. He's neurotic and in love with his neuroses. <laughs> Who among us is not in love with their neuroses? I mean, you gotta be, you know? You gotta tolerate yourself somehow. Yeah, Ooh, oh, exactly. That's a, that's a very generous <laughs> read on that. I want to write that one down and <laughs> take it to therapy. 
Yeah, yeah I, was, I was gonna <laughs> say. I'm like, okay. Many of the lines from the movie came directly from their conversations. Uh, Reiner, like Harry, had a tendency to overshare. And Efron, like Sally, called him out on that, telling him, you know, you don't have to tell everybody everything that's going on the moment it's going on. <laughs> uh, okay, we sort of talked about this at the top of the episode. Do we think Harry is a likable character? I think he has likable, some likable qualities. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think he doesn't start off great, you know? Mm. But I think that's also kind of, I think, his arc as the years go on, you know? He's like this young kid who's like driving a college girl. It's like... You know, he's kind of a pain in the ass, but then he starts to get more likable, I think, as time goes on, as he grows up, you know? Yeah. I don't know. What about Rob Reiner? I agree with that. I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about Rob Reiner, <laughs> I've realized. He looks like yeah. David Crosby when he was young, um, and he, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he made, you know, a lot of good movies. <laughs> and more yeah. importantly for Jordan, who's like a big sitcom guy, he was in All in the Family first, so. Oh, okay. That's Love right. All in the Family. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He's beathead, yeah. <laughs> I love this. One of Nora Ephron's slightly more endearing qualities that she commandeered for Sally was, uh, I guess, she was a very uh, particular eater, I'll say. Oh, my God. Reiner witnessed her ordering food in a very precise way, and they decided to add it to the script. And Nora even incorporated her own defensive line, I just like it the way I like it, which... Fine, fair. Yeah. I got to say, as having worked in the industry before the hospitality industry, oh, no. it makes you want to strangle her. It's like, I, I was don't just care about if you like to say, like. make it at f-ing your house. Okay. Come <laughs> on. That's the dividing line, too. Because I was just about to ask Jordan, like, have yeah, you worked? Like, were you front of house or back of house? Yes. <laughs> about, I, was a, I was a dishwasher, which I don't know where that puts me in the. What was that? What was that face? No, I've said you've done your time, but you're not involved in this conversation. (laughs) I'm just saying, okay, look. It doesn't concern you. I don't want to, like, I'm not coming for people that are like, oh, like, I have a gluten allergy or, like, I don't eat cheese and, like, uh, is it possible to, like, get a side salad instead of fries? But, like, when you're like, I want it at this temperature and I want this, and it's like, no. No, 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 no. Yeah. This is not, you're not the queen. Like, you're, I'm making minimum wage. Go make it at home. (laughs) Right. I did not love Especially it. Especially in like did a roadside diner. Like, yeah, where are they in, the, like, when, in that first off. stop? Yeah. Like, come on. So, Alex and Arisha, how are your tips? <laughs> really good. You guys good, get good tips? Actually. You guys are like, oh, great tip. you and your dumbass order. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can complain about it. You'll do it, but you can complain. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was a line yeah. cook, so I was I was allowed oh, okay. to curse them out when the order came through the line <laughs> oh, yeah. to right, the front of house right. person yeah. when they came back in the kitchen. But they had to oh, go out and smile, and cook? I didn't. Uh, and the Hershey Country Club, actually, oh, and yeah. and oh. in a deli when I was in college. Oh my god, I worked in a country club too. I was so front of house in the country club. Very solidarity. Very short amount of time. Yeah, <laughs> that was rough. That, that's where you get a lot of requests, and it's like just because you're paying twenty five thousand dollars a year. Doesn't mean I won't cut you. Jesus. <laughs> Who knows what it is now? It's obscene. Just to play golf. Probably way more, yeah. <sighs> Whatever. I think I would I would forgive Nora Ephron for doing that though. <laughs> I mean, when you when you when you have her track. You would record, forgive Nora Ephron for anything. I you know. know. Apparently she was on a plane once and she ordered something in a really particular way. And I, I I guess the person taking her order didn't recognize her and said, Have you ever seen the movie When Harry Met Sally? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> God. Remember yeah. when we used to eat on planes? I don't. I ate on a plane in London, to London. It was delightful and back. But like, just Ooh. general flights used to have food, right? Like, just random flights. Like, oh. you didn't have to be in first class. You didn't have to be flying overseas. Oh, right, 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 right. 
Now you just get peanuts if you're lucky. I know. It's like we used to do whatever we wanted. The only thing I eat on flights are edibles and Ativan. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a... I'm so scared to get high <laughs> You have to plane. be in first class for that. I'm like, it's... I'm worried my brain will just explode. It won't be able to yep. process things. Yep. And I'm like, I can't. I'm yep. already neurotic enough on the ground. Sometimes that's preferable. Yeah. I'll be the next viral plane video of like going insane. And I don't need that. Trust Fingers me. Crossed. I don't need that. No, uncross your fingers. Podcaster no. goes on lizard person rant. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get in the news somehow. This is it. <laughs> the more nervous I am, the more I feel like I need to be like 110% on as opposed mm. to doing what I probably should do is just have something to take the edge off. Because mm -hmm. like if I'm not on, then it'll get me. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. yeah. As if that would be able to be helpful. That's fair. Six miles up. Especially at a higher elevation. Like you're going to feel yeah. more high. So that's probably exactly. fair. Like getting fair like, a, at it. An, like a mimosa. I'm like, I had one mimosa and I was like, whoo. I was like, I, I can't. I can't be compromised. You're like, what compromised. if something happens and I have to fly the plane? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You I never can't know. drunk fly a plane. That's a rookie mistake. <laughs> or and I'm not going to make it. Could and would. I could but totally we've talked about my plane trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Think of the genius play you could write stoned out of your mind on a flight, though. Yeah. I've actually flown a plane. So. Yeah, hey, which one you what? Plane? Which one you I like flown. A my, so my dad was like a small plane pilot. Small plane pilot. That's impossible to say. Small plane pilot. Cessna. Yeah, I can now. Um, and I got a group of. <laughs> Like years later and like where you like you like tandem fly with like somebody. So I'm like flying a plane and then the pilot's like behind me. Whoa. I was like, I don't I would rather fly a commercial jet. So I'm going to see if Southwest puts up one of those Groupons and I can do it for them. Maybe. Yeah. Did you get any intrusive yeah. thoughts like as you were passing over anything in particular? <laughs> like this is my moment. Weirdly, my it wasn't it was more an intrusive thought of like this could be the end of us all. Um, not that uh -huh. I, my hands, but I was just like, can't wait to be back on the ground. And I, I, I don't mind flying. I actually enjoy <laughs> flying. But in the small plane where you feel everything, I was like, I can't believe my oh, dad willingly yeah. did this for fun. Yeah. What can you do? Well, also, what kind of DNA. person do you have to be to agree to be the pilot in that situation? Like, yeah, I'll, I'll tandem this money hungry idiot who got a group on <laughs> and see if they don't kill us. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, there was there was no like background check. What if I was like some psycho? I'm just thinking about this. What, what if I was like had a vendetta against that pilot? Yes. Yeah. Which honestly, there's gonna be a panic button that just like cuts off control <laughs> right. of the yoke or something. Oh yeah, like when you get <laughs> you a, you're, like a you're stun learning to drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a stun gun? Yeah, they're just like, ah, right, enough of this. Then <laughs> <laughs> we all go down together. You probably yeah. signed it away in the Groupon at this point. I mean, I just Absolutely. don't trust the fine print on oh, any yeah. of those things. Absolutely. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Oh, no. God. <laughs> what a time. This is a very Harry Burns thought here. Isn't Harry Burns oh. has, he has, he has a dark side. He talks about his dark side. <laughs> I think about death for hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, poor Jordan having to steer this conversation back on track. I feel for no. you. <laughs> we should see how wild we can get and see if we can find a way to bring it back. Challenge accepted. That oh, is yeah. my this goal is every episode. That is, I know. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Sometimes I just see what's in the news. <laughs> well, an ingenious device that Efron uses in this movie are the talking head segments with older couples sharing how they met, which I thought was a cute touch. Mm-hmm. And these scenes were taken pretty much verbatim from interviews that she'd done with yeah. real life couples who worked at the film's production company. And I love how at the very end of the movie, Harry and Sally have their talking moment, which is just one of the many brilliant improvised performances by Meg Ryan and Mm. Billy Crystal, which we'll talk about later. I do have to say that one couple where they're just talking over each other. (laughs) I was like gritting my teeth through that because it's like, Uh really? Yeah, I don't find that so cute. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like a trope, like a class, like it it felt like Mm -hmm. it felt like what you would expect of like a very old couple. For some reason, I felt like they were in New York City. They lived there in like Brooklyn for 50 years or something. Just felt very yeah. much like I've seen this these two characters before. They should have had Marty Scorsese's mom. Well, my grandparents were hearing impaired. And oh. so they would have like <laughs> conversations that were like parallel. They each thought they were having a conversation mm. that wasn't actually occurring. Wow. And so I think I was. that's kind of how I saw it. That's like yeah. having a conversation at a club with someone you just met. You yes. can't hear each other and you're just like, yeah. That was uh-huh. me today with that woman at the pool at the in the locker room who this is so unnecessary to bring up on this podcast. Bring but it I was back telling, around from this. Someone stuck a finger in Arisha's butt. Yeah, bring it back. Yeah, this bring old woman back, Jordan. a few weeks ago, she like put her finger in my... She was trying to point out a tear in my bathing suit and she's an older woman, but sure. I had a new bathing suit on and I was like, yeah, I've got a new bathing suit on and I was having this conversation. She's like, oh, I don't have my hearing aids and I can't hear anything you're saying. I was like, you could have said that five minutes ago. I could be swimming right now knowing you're not listening to anything I'm saying. Yeah, that was anyway, the worst have part. Have fun bringing that back. Yeah, that was the worst part. <laughs> it kind of feels very like a Nora Ephron scene though. <laughs> oh yeah, actually it sort of does. That's, that's your meat cute. That was your yeah, yeah. moment, you know? She's also well. the one that she was like, the first time I like interacted with her, she, of course, she's fully naked. This is the locker room at the Y. And she's telling me how, I don't, I hate saying this word. Uh, she's like, she's like, when you get older, your pussy just drops. And I, unsolicited content. Like, I did not talk to her. I did not ask her about it. Do you I don't know even, this person? Are you like on nodding acquaintance with I don't with even this know her name oh. yet. <laughs> yeah. So, had you seen them before? Like, or is this first time? I, I I've seen her in like the ether because there's a, a there's an aerobics <laughs> class before I have my I do my swimming. So all these older women come in <laughs> as I'm like changing and going out into the pool. So it's like I see her through that, but I wouldn't pick her out of a lineup. I could now, but before I couldn't now. <laughs> Which part of her? All her finger that was up my butt. Commercial break. <laughs> Commercial break. <laughs> it's good to know that, that 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 weird trope of like of people like old people getting that up in your sh- in a locker room yeah. it transcends gender too because yeah yeah oh well, yeah I, that's never happened to me. Well, you're going you to the wrong more gyms, time in buddy. Rooms. I've been saying yeah. that for a long time. <laughs> you're not the first people to tell me to spend more time at a gym. But not for no, that I reason. I said in the locker rooms. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, really just the locker room. room. That's what we're here no, for. Yeah. Is the, I, I the... change in the bathroom stall. Like the <laughs> like a normal like the, person? Like the repressed no. New England boy I am. See, I don't. I'm such a like... I would. I literally, like, when I get out of the pool, I take off my bathing suit and I just walk naked all over the locker room. I'm like, everyone else is doing it. Why shouldn't I? And it's great. I love wow. it. But I also Arisha hate Fale wearing off Because I'm Catholic. They're not going <laughs> to jump off a bridge. How are they going to get to the bridge? Well, those swimming lessons will come in handy. They aren't allowed to drive. So many of them talk about they can't drive. Which why is uh, this? It's in North Hollywood. It's I go in the middle of the day, which 
okay, it's, okay, okay. Yeah, I like yeah, to, yeah. so that's like, and I love it. I love being around older people, actually. It's just a nice yeah. vibe, and it's like nice and break from all the idiots here in Hollywood. Wow, that's going to get me canceled. <laughs> I love Hollywood. Wait, let but... me see. Wait, wait, let me see if I can, let me see if I can save this. Speaking of non-idiots. <laughs> Wow. I love it. And that's what we call it. We should talk way. about the amazing life and work of the legendary Nora Ephron. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> How'd I do? Jordan, did I do okay? That's good. Uh, okay. C plus, but I'll oh, take C it. C plus? Because we're running short on time. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> she had literary and cinematic greatness in her blood. She was born to parents Henry and Phoebe Ephron, who wrote and produced movies like There's No Business Like Show Business, starring Marilyn Monroe, the film adaptation mm. of Roger and Hammerstein's Carousel, among many others. They named their daughter Nora after the protagonist in Heinrich Ibsen's A Doll's House, which is kind of a weird thing to do for your daughter. Uh, and as Jordan is contractually obligated to add, at all times was the original working title of the Beatles White Album because it gets shoehorned wow. into every single wow. episode. I gotta have a Beatles fact, yeah. I love oh. it. I love it. Uh, I love it. I'm a big Beatles fan. Uh-oh. Steady. Oh, you're no. the Beatles? I had no idea. Yeah, you ever heard? No. Where are you at on Chris Evans? Dead to me. Okay, this is really strange. <laughs> His dad is my dad's neighbor. His dad is your in dad Massachusetts. Neighbor. Wow. Um, I don't think I are you that. willing I don't to know if I'm to break that. up a marriage? Didn't they? Yeah, they just got married. They yeah. did. And it's time for you to step up, Jordan. Go home and visit your yeah. dad. Okay. Start stirring the pot. Go talk and start, to Chris's dad and just be like, okay. you know, your son needs to be in love for real. And I know just the person. <laughs> She swims. She's a with podcaster, old women, and she's a podcaster. It's on a lake. She's got holes in her bathing suit. Crazy. No, access. I wore a new one. <laughs> oh, okay. Easy access. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Tell Speaking that of easy dad. access. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like what page are we on? Nora Ephron worked at JFK's White House as an. Oh, that has an unintended double meaning. Now I feel really bad for. Uh, yeah. Nothing happened between her and JFK, I assume. She applied to work at Newsweek in 1962 to get started on her writing career. And uh, the folks at Newsweek only offered her a job in the mailroom because it was 1962 at a national media publication. Not much has changed, I assume. Uh, as a result, Nora <laughs> Ephron joined a class action lawsuit against the magazine, suing them for gender discrimination. Uh, this was eventually adopted into the Amazon series Good Girls Revolt. Efron later took a job as a reporter at the New York Post, actually my for one of my former employers, oh. where she broke the news that Bob Dylan had gotten married in 1966. And the reporting bit has further legs. In 1976, <laughs> she married Carl Bernstein of Woodward and Bernstein, yeah, all the president's men, etc., 1970s mm -hmm. Beltway, and so forth, Nixon, uh, Attica, Attica. Um, <laughs> it ended Watergate. poorly. He cheated on her. Oh, Ugh. While she was it. pregnant. When she was pregnant. With her second oh, come son. Oh, come and on. And who did he cheat on her <sighs> cheat on her with, you might ask? Marilyn Monroe. The daughter of then British Prime Minister James Callahan. Wow. That's an even the rich-esque story. Yeah, a Brit. He cheated on her with a, a British girl with an accent? Disqualifying. <laughs> yeah. Did she have That's an accent? Rough. I don't know. I mean, uh, she I would assume if her daughter, dad is a assume. prime minister. She might have been she might have been born here, maybe. Jordan, talk about accents for a while. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Talk about accents for a while. So it gets better or worse, depending on how much of a uh, fiend for drama you are. Uh, we're quoting directly from Wikipedia here. For many years, Nora Ephron was one of the very few people who knew the identity of Deep Throat, the anonymous informer for articles written by her ex-husband, Carl Bernstein, and Bob Woodward uncovering the Watergate scandal. Ephron read Bernstein's notes, which referred to Deep Throat as MF. Bernstein said it stood for <laughs> my friend, which it sure doesn't mean on Twitter anymore. But Efron no. <laughs> correctly guessed it stood for Mark Felt, the former associate director of the FBI. After Efron's wow. marriage with Bernstein ended, she would re- then go on to reveal the identity of Deep Throat, not only to her son Jacob, but to anyone else who asked. <laughs> she once said, I would give speeches to 500 people and someone would say, do you know who Deep Throat is? And I would say, it's Mark Felt. Wow. Classmates of her son at the Dalton School and Vassar recall him revealing to numerous people via his mom the identity of the most famous government informer in history. (laughs) This revelation attracted little media attention, and Efron said, no one, apart from my sons, believed me. Wow. I need someone like Nora to get a job at Area 51. And just laugh. Yeah. What's going on there? You said another of Jordan's yeah. uh, fixations. You've activated him. He's a sleeper agent. Oh, no. I love it. Sleeper agent. I got sent by People Magazine to cover the storming of Area 51, <laughs> which was, and I went to like the edge yeah. and saw all the like white trucks up on the hill and everything. Did and you see, bro? I. I <laughs> were you, you, were you there? No, I got, I wish. God, I wish. <laughs> I was not there. It was why I wrote like a 35 page, like amazing cultural history of Area 51. Yeah, it's, I think it, somebody told me it was the longest thing that people.com has ever published. <laughs> and I edited it. Was like, and I cut out so many words did. before the other God editor got you. to it. Still so long. Oh, and yeah. what I pay you, Heigl? Uh, was there beer? Yeah. <laughs> was there beer? It's pizza. Uh, oh, we can't go wrong pizza. This is a great postscript, though. Nora's revenge on Carl Bernstein was not yet over. His affair inspired her to write her novel Heartburn, which was then made into a 1986 Mike Nichols film starring Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep. In the book, Efron wrote of a fictional husband, clearly Bernstein, who was, quote, <laughs> capable of having sex with a Venetian blind. And then oh, she wow. wrote that the character of Thelma, based on the woman who had the affair with her husband, looked like a giraffe with big feet. Bernstein Ooh. threatened to sue over the movie and film, but never did. And Nora spent oh, her latter years as one half of screenwriting's biggest power couple. She was married to Goodfellas and casino writer Nick Pileggi from 1987 until her death in 2012. Wow. She is an inspiration <clears throat> more than I realized. Yeah. I know. I love this that This is the story. kind of That's so petty so cool. bullshit I aspire to do. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my God. That could bring down two governments, the British government yes. and the American yes. government. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love it. Oh, that's so inspiring. Goals. I got to get married real quick so I can pull something like this off. My God. Yeah, I love it. As you meditate on that, we'll be right back with more Too Much Information after these messages. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. (gasps) No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to the European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, between first conceiving of the When Harry Met Sally idea with Rob Reiner and turning in the final draft, Nora (laughs) Ephron spent over four years working on the script for When Harry Met Sally. While Ephron was refining the script, Reiner busied himself directing back-to-back classics Stand By Me and Princess Bride, which are the subject of two equally classic TMI episodes. Stand By Me kills me every time. I know. Stand By Me I haven't seen in a very long time, but Princess Bride will always be like... Um, I I like watch it probably like once a year at this point, and it's just such a. Nice. The Sicilian is like my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> I just love it. I quote that all the time. There's that amazing quote from I think it's my dinner with Andre with uh, where Wallace Shawn is like, when Wallace I was Shawn. 25, all I used to think about was art and music. Now I'm 35, and all I think about is money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the yeah, I'm the Grinch actually. I don't find Stand by Me that I'm I'm a, I'm a not really into Stand by Me. I don't know. Too corny. What? I wasn't part of a. There's a dead body. I wasn't part of a cool. I, and kids die. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> can't that's get cornier funny, than that. Like, yeah, that's pretty fucking <laughs> corny. I just, I don't know, <laughs> man. I see girl. a bunch of kids in like, like golly gee, jo- golly gee, golly Willikers, fifty kids like walking you just down hate at the fifties. You hate, you oh hate the fifties. God, I sure do. You can't see through the. 50s. Jordan's thing is fifties. Uh. My thing is sixties, and to a lesser extent, the seventies. So. I love them both, really. Your thing is not the 60s. My thing's the 60s also. Guys, you can 70s. both have the 60s as your thing. It's a <laughs> no, pretty no, long decade. Yeah, I don't know. You take the first half. 
Just watching yeah, those kids roll down the railroad sexy. tracks and singing uh, the lollipop song just pisses me off. Ever, I just <laughs> I don't, Honestly, I don't that's vibe fair. with them. Yeah. That's fair. It's about the death of innocence, Heigl. Yeah. It's <sighs> time for that spiral. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody made a movie about mine. <laughs> yeah. I had to write my own. Yeah. <laughs> and perform it in front of my school. <laughs> for my crush. Moving on. Oh my right. god. In front of your crush, yeah. Did you did you reserve you know what was did a you, better writing? Did you no no I'm I'm no 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 no. Uh did you did you reserve the seat for her and she never showed up? <laughs> oh no. Uh, no, she showed okay. up. She was, the yeah, 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 it was yeah, mandated. The play oh, she, I didn't perform oh, it. I didn't perform oh. it. No. All right. Sorry. Speaking <laughs> of. Well, a better piece of writing was, was when Harry met Sally. An early version of Nora's script was called Scenes from a Friendship, which is a riff on Igmar Bergman's seminal Scenes from a Marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good title because it reminds me of my favorite Billy Joel song, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. <laughs> Another early title was How They Met. Hmm. <laughs> Nobody really liked this either. The production team really struggled to come up with what they thought was a workable title. In fact, they had such a hard time coming up with a halfway decent name that Rob Ryder instituted a title contest, promising Love to reward that. the best pitch with a case of champagne because uh, Hollywood. Yeah. Choices for consideration were <clears throat> just friends, Harry, this is Sally, it had to be you, boy meets you. girl. Playing Melancholy Baby. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Blue Moon? Playing Melancholy Baby? I mean, at least, yeah, <laughs> yeah that I, one, Just Friends, uh, and It Had to Be You are all, like, great American songbook standards. Or songs. Yeah. Playing Melancholy hmm. And Blue one. Moon, too. What, the, the early, the dorky rock and roll one? That one? That's not a Amer- great American song. Was that? Wait, I didn't hear that. Can you say that again? I missed <laughs> it. That one, right? Mm-hmm. Well done. Oh, that's blue. Thank moon. you. Okay. Thank you. I thought that was melancholy baby, and I was like, I did not know that's what it no, was called. No, that's called. Right. Got it. Yeah. No. Yeah, you know that old classic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, words of love was another title. Do we have? What do we think of these? I assume. Big, big thumbs down for all of these. I think they it's... should have had a contest to find some chemistry in this movie, maybe oh, instead of worrying about this stupid-ass title. Got their asses. Got them. <laughs> I don't hate it. Nora had to be is you, rolling this... over in her grave right now. <laughs> I mean, listen. I said what I said. <laughs> I, I don't I don't hate It Had to Be You. I think that's a fine title, but there's I not yeah. there's not enough there's not enough love and romance in this movie for that title, I don't think. Mm. <laughs> mm. Speaking of casting. <laughs> yes. Okay. So. Damn. Alex is on it. Chemistry. I'm on fire. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> One of the top picks to play Harry initially was America's Sweetheart, Tom Hanks. Yeah. And he would have just been coming off comedies like 1986's The Money Pit and 1988's Biggs. Mm-hmm. And several Biggs? reasons have been suggested why. He... Shut the up. whole <laughs> movie? I didn't see that one. I saw Big yeah. though. <laughs> Big's What's harder. Big? Is that the sequel? Bigs too. <laughs> a good day to big. Bigs are. Uh, 
<laughs> this is one of our favorite recurring bits is just making sequels with the same sequel format. Yeah. Exact we, same we, construction. We do, yeah. yeah. Bigs, Secret of the Ooze, Bigs, Big, yeah. Back in the Habit. Yeah. Mm. Wow. See, we even the same order. Yeah. Is Fast yeah, and the Furious, really... have they reached out to you guys yet? Oh my God. I'm sure Too they big, need your too help. furious would be, oh, no, nope, nope. That's phrasing. No, we can't do that one. Oh. Do you know what's actually funny about, about the Fast and Furious sequel is that the, they, that, that was a Roger Corman movie from like oh. the 50s, like a cheapy exploitation one. And the reason that they have to change the title every time is because they only paid him to use the phrase the Fast and the Furious. So if, if they That's were hilarious. to keep using that and call it Fast and the Furious 2 or the Fast and the Furious 3, they would have to pay him over again. Wow. And rather than do that, they have decided to just give everyone a different and dumb, increasingly wow. dumber uh, con- title construction. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Right? Again. Yeah. yeah. Come on. The amount of money they bring in, they can spring to pay a guy for his idea. (sighs) It's all got to go to digitally sweeten Vin Diesel's whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really does. God. So Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. So Tom Hanks. How do we like Tom Hanks for that? I I mean, I love Tom Hanks. This was before You've Got Mail, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I thought they have good chemistry in that. So I think he would have been great in this role. They do have good chemistry. And Sleepless in Seattle, too. Oh, yeah. I like that one less. Oh, yeah. I don't like when they're far apart. Okay. I need, like, in-person chemistry. They spend Mm -hmm. too much time not Mm -hmm. being together. But I... I I don't... Like, Tom Hanks is, like, the original Golden Retriever. And I don't think... (laughs) I don't know that he could be a... I don't... Well, I guess he's kind of an asshole when you've got mail. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But... He's a corporate dick, right? They did League of Their Own, too. I just don't know if I could see it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know if I could see this. Could you see it better than Billy Crystal? No. Not necessarily. I don't think he could summon the the dark edge. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, there's multiple reasons why he passed that have been offered. Uh Uh-oh. Hang on. They're coming for me because I added an S to big. Because you said something bad about Tom Hanks. Yeah. How dare you? They're like, we're on it. Yeah. (laughs) We got him. Neutralizing. There's one theory that Tom Hanks felt that the material for When Harry Met Sally was too lightweight, which I don't think is true because instead of making When Harry Met Sally, he made Turner and Hooch, in which he starred opposite a French Mastiff. Oh, I mean. He also did Toy Story. How lighthearted can you get? Right, yeah. He played a wooden doll, <laughs> which I love. But that's I yeah, but that neighbor kid was dark. Oh, Sid, Sid was out oh, of his yeah. mind. That, that guy is in <laughs> a four by five cell right now. Guaranteed. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. What is this, Victorian England? Is that like the, this, the, the, the psychiatric <laughs> measurements of a psychiatric yep. cell? Yep, for sure. Four by five is like a dog crate. <laughs> yeah, that's what he deserves. That's blowing up these was. poor things. That's fair. No, no. Yeah. Totally Fine, fair. 10 by 10. I'll be generous. <laughs> okay. Thank you. But the more realistic... In- Stop it, Heigl. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Uh, the, the more realistic reason that Tom Hanks passed on this role was apparently that he had just gotten divorced himself and he didn't connect with the deeply depressed divorcee, Harry, because he felt liberated by his own divorce this is according to his current wife rita wilson who explained on an episode of the (laughs) table for two podcast in 2023 that tom quote was happy not to be married and could not really understand a person going through a divorce that would feel anything other than like i'm so happy 
<laughs> that that seems, seems like a weirdly myopic view of divorce. I would I really mean, want to hear that from the actual person who went through yeah. the divorce, not his new wife. Yeah. yeah. Who's going to be like, oh, he's, he's so much sure. me. Yeah. Loves marriage now. <laughs> yeah. But he did end up teaming up with Nora Ephron on Sequels in Seattle a few years after when Harry met Sally. And you got mail. Yes. Classic. So once Hank said no, Rob Reiner looked to other big actors working at the time. One of these was Albert Brooks. <laughs> oh. Nope. <laughs> Could Albert Brooks ever get it? <laughs> I gotta look him up. I can't like, remember what he I is. don't like, think that's a possibility. I always mix him and Albert Finney He's the up. bad guy. He's like the... Oh. Well, Albert Brooks is like the bad guy in Drive who, um, spoiler yes. alert, kills uh, Brian Cranston in the garage. Wow. <laughs> I was gonna watch that tonight. Oh. That was too much information. Finally, oh, you've done it. She got us. Got our ass. We've never said those words on this show, like in context. Wow. Oh, he's kind of quietly soulful. He's oh, got the. Yeah. He's got this sort of schlubby. Uh, can I put this soulful. in the chat? Can I put this? Yeah. Do you put guys, it in the do you guys chat. want to Google Albert Brooks? I'm looking at him right now. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's yeah. got the little nebbishy kind of charm. I need to look at him. What year was this movie? Did this come out? Eighty nine. Look at him. Nineteen eighty nine. That's out. a good. That's a good yeah. point. That's a very good point. I'm going to look right. to. I'm just to be part of the group. I'm going to look to. Yeah, we've got a. Oh, okay. Oh, God. Who did he just remind me of? Somebody. Uh, oh, I know exactly you know who what? you're talking uh, Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg? Oh, yeah. Yes, we've been together too long. He could Google. join. We have. Yeah. Um, Brooke and I have a group called the Curly Headed and he could join it. <laughs> Put my hat back on. F O X or F U C K? F U C K S. F U C K. Curly headed fox. Yeah. Come on. Well, I feel like silver Foxes fox. Foxes don't have curly hair. You know, oh. like silver fox. Oh, oh okay, okay. okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Albert Brooks passed on the role because he thought it was too much like a knockoff Woody Allen movie, which I kind of see. Uh, he also turned down roles in Big and Pretty Women. So I'm just going to say that maybe his hmm. taste just sucks or he has bad managers. Mm -hmm. Other actors up for consideration for the part of Harry Burns and When Harry Met Sally include Michael Keaton, Richard Dreyfuss, mm. Harrison Ford, Jeff Bridges, and Bill Murray. Huh. Harrison Ford would be curious too Ford, handsome. If yeah, Carrie Fisher handsome. was in it and Harrison mm. Ford, that'd be a mind. Oh, this is yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. I could see Michael Keaton. Yeah. Like ca capturing that. I think that Michael kind of Keaton essence. would be really good, actually. Because yeah. he does kind he's, of have that, yeah. like, he's got comedy chops. He famously had yeah. a guest spot on Frasier, and I think he's actually really funny. Mm. Well, and I feel like, like Mr. Mom in serious. this era. Yeah. My God, I forgot about Mr. Mom. <laughs> Maybe. Would he have yeah, already done Batman, or would this be before? Like the same oh, year. Actually. Same year, yeah. Yeah. 89. Be wild. Batman, and then a rom com. Wow. Batman God, could do it all. Maybe it's a good Rage. thing that it didn't happen. He would have been too powerful. Batman and when <laughs> yeah. Harry met Sally in He'd the same year. I mean, Batman doesn't have any power, let's be honest. He's just a... I mean, yeah, but, like, back in the day... Listen, he doesn't have a superpower, okay? He's the stupidest superhero, Alex, and I don't That's care That's really what fine. You say. I just... <laughs> Our band was called the, the World's Greatest Detective superhero. after Batman. Heigl's a big Batman fan. Uh, he's showing That's you fine. his bat tattoo right now. Oh, well, wow. I come from a family of Batman fans. But, no, I, mean, I, I, I just mean, like, in 1989, like, the stranglehold that movie had on pop culture. It was, like, this and when Harry met Sally, yeah. like, oh, we would have sure. be having, like, the conversation that we have about, like, I don't know, uh, Tom Hanks. That we, We'd be having this about Michael Keaton. We'd be like, yeah, 
Michael Keaton, biggest star in the world, America's uh-huh. sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my God. I try to every day. <laughs> Jordan, you got a segue? <laughs> Thrown to you. Jordan. Bud. So, uh, well, Rob Reiner, he said that the film was self-financed, so they could pretty much cast whoever they wanted. And mm-hmm. I got no segue. Heigl, Rob Reiner was so this. despondent. What a dream to be able to self-finance. Anything. Like, to be able to be like, I, I have enough money, but I'll just do whatever the fuck I want with this movie. It's impressive. Yeah. I could self-finance yeah. a podcast. This podcast. Yeah. <laughs> In there fact, I am. There you go. Uh, Rob Reiner, look out. Well, I'm actually doing this at my day job while I'm logged on to my day job. So I'm technically stealing from one company to do it, which makes me like Robin Hood. Me too. Uh, Nice. I love that. Speaking of Rob Reiner. Speaking of of Robin Hood, Robin Hood was so despondent uh, about. (laughs) Never mind. I was going to say something about the hot foxes from the Disney one, but uh, Rob Reiner was so despondent about who to cast. He was hot. The, they should have cast the fox in When Harry Met Sally. That fox was really <laughs> hot. Mm-hmm. God. Man. And he would have been a curly-headed fox. That was the birth of a lot of furries in this country. Hey, on both wow. sides. We all know it's true. In fact, I talked to a furry who said that was his, like... His for Maid Marian? Sexual awakening. Ooh. Yes. I was like, I mean, I was into the fox, but his I... furry sexual yes. awakening? He was like, that's how I became a furry. This guy was... Uh, Picture a furry, that's that you're picturing him. I mean, he wasn't in a costume at the time that I, this was okay. at like a party, but he was like, Yeah, that was what was his fursona? Fursona? Oh, I love that. That's the officially approved I term. I don't know if he told us something furry. Wow, clever. I oh. want to say, because he, I hope it was a fox. No, I don't think it was a fox. I want to say it was like maybe a teddy bear or like a bear. I don't know. I mean, he wasn't in his costume or anything. Mm. And it was one of those Fine. things where he says it and we're all like, okay, but then he like really gets into the details of it and like the conventions he goes, are there conventions, I guess? There has to be. It's a fascinating culture. <clears throat> cool. <laughs> Speaking of furries. Oh, <laughs> yeah, segue that. Rob sh- Reiner. <laughs> Rob, Rob Reiner was so despondent about who to cast that he briefly considered playing the part of Harry Burns himself. Then his thoughts turned to his best friend, Billy Crystal. Actually, just like the plot mm-hmm. of the movie, Mr. Wright was mm-hmm. there all along, masquerading as his friend. Uh, Crystal was actually very far down the list, which is weird considering the Nora Ephron based uh, parts of Harry and Sally's friendship in the movie on Rob Reiner's yeah. friendship with Billy Crystal. Mm. That's so adorable yes. that they turned a bromance into one of <laughs> the defining cute. cinematic cis relationships yeah. of all time. Uh, they would actually do the Casablanca thing where they would watch Casablanca together. And I guess back in the day, you wouldn't call it live tweeting. You would just call mm, it having a mm-hmm. phone conversation. But um, <laughs> they would live tweet it to one another. Many of the scenes in which Harry talks to his best friend, Jess, played by Bruno Kirby, took inspiration from Billy and Rob's private chats about relationships. Gross. <laughs> the pair had met in 1975 when Billy had a guest spot on All in the Family, the sitcom that launched Reiner to stardom. Billy Crystal was cast as the best friend of Reiner's character, and they became best friends IRL shortly thereafter. Billy obviously knew that his buddy Rob was looking for the male lead in his new movie, and was slightly miffed that he hadn't been considered first, to which I say, be more self-aware, Billy. (laughs) Crystal wrote in his memoir, I knew from agents and managers that Rob had met with almost every male actor my age, except me. Rob can be forgiven at this point, though, because Crystal was not big on the, uh, he was, what, generously a C-lister? Yeah. And the last yeah. movie that he'd been in was Princess Bride, where he was dressed up was like a say, very Princess old Bride. 
grandpa. <laughs> Very old uh, warlock. Yes. <laughs> right? Famously one of the most sexually magnetic uh, fantasy <laughs> archetypes. Yep. Uh, and and Crystal was also said he was nervous about working. Or Reiner said he was nervous uh, that um, about about working with someone who he had an IRL friendship mm-hmm. with. And his fears, yeah. ironically, echoed the central question of the movie. Rob Reiner would say, "The fear I had was, what if you worked with a friend and it doesn't work out? Are we going to destroy a friendship?" I had no reservations about him playing the part. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, their close bond did make Billy Crystal the ideal person to play Rob's alter ego. Uh, I'd like to turn it over to our mm-hmm. guests. Uh, if you guys were fantasy casting the story of your podcast and friendship and mm. eventual marriage to one mm-hmm. another or a different person or possibly a furry, uh-huh. who would you cast? Oh, um, oh my God. Why am I blanking? Arisha, you go. I have someone. I can't think of her name right now. Am I cat? I'm, I'm casting your... for like for Brooke and me or just yourself. Like, you're like, casting each other. Well, actually you can cast yourself. No, oh, go ahead. Go, go nuts. Our oh, character. I... Your character um, and your and and the okay. other. Mm. This is a lot of pressure. I, who I, would cast and I know. <sighs> I mean, Jordan, I would, I'd cast oh, Christopher no. Walken to play you. <laughs> I cast Jack Antonoff wow. to play you. Oh, get! F- <laughs> Does he act? No, <laughs> it's just someone. Okay, one of our co one of our coworkers that I I look like Jack Antonoff, and it's kind of haunted me ever since. <laughs> Oh, okay. I was like Taylor Swift's Jack Antonoff, right? I didn't know he was. Acting. Well, now it's Margaret Qualley's Jack Antonoff, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. She's a no name, so I can't <laughs> use that as my reference, unfortunately. <laughs> wow, that's harsh. No, nothing against Margaret. Margaret is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's <laughs> uh, she's Margaret? she's um who is she? She's Andy McDowell's kid. She looks just like her. Andy McDowell from yeah. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Groundhog Day. She's oh, got the billowy yeah. brunette long hair and the face. And the Andy McDowell has like a series on uh, Hallmark, like where the heart is or where the heart grows or something. It keeps seeing ads for it. That Apparently it's really good. And Michael. Um. Okay. Play us. Um. Jesus Christ. I would say uh, I got somebody. Okay. Kristen Bell. Okay. And Maya Rudolph. Aw, that's cute. I would watch that movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Or even maybe Amy Poehler and I Maya might... Rudolph. They've got great. I was, yeah, too. I would go with either Amy Poehler or. Kristen Wiig. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Maya Rudolph? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could settle for Maya Rudolph. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was also thinking weirdly That's what Paul Thomas McCarthy Anderson and said. Sandra Bullock. Oh. 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 Yeah. The Heat. Just I was thinking the Heat, but like I haven't seen that down, movie. Obviously. <gasps> it's so oh, funny. Got to watch it. I love Sandy. Yeah. So good. You know, I she's met America's Sandy. sweetheart. She's so nice. She is America's sweetheart. Yeah, she is. And Chris Evans was at her house mm-hmm. when I met her. He's America's mm-hmm. sweetheart. <laughs> he's dead to me. He's also Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's dead to me until Jordan talks to his dad. And then right. We're I will talk to his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This is not even an intentional segue. This is my honest thought. I feel like Sandra Bullock would have been a really good Sally in this. I was thinking that too, actually. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, especially because I'm thinking of Sandra Bullock back then yeah so i'm thinking of yeah. like uh while you were sleeping mm-hmm. sandy mm-hmm. and yeah. i think she would be really good in this role yeah sandy's good in except for she's good in everything uh, what's it oh what's that um, the one movie she's not good in what about steve yes. or something where she's the crossword puzzle creator steve? with bradley oh, cooper is yes. it yeah. 
Oh, that like deeply that offensive, <laughs> weird. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I, and then, yeah, yeah she's good at everything she does. <laughs> yeah. Everything else. But yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of besties and friendship, the character of Marie, Sally's best friend of the movie, is played by Carrie Fisher, who is IRL best friend with Reiner's ex, Penny Marshall. Could have made things yeah. awkward. Do we think Carrie Fisher, she was in her script doctor phase. Do you think she did mm. any uncredited work on this? Oh, man. I don't think Nora Ephron would need that, though, you know? That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. I like to imagine a world where they, like, fought it out. They, like, hashed it out yeah. in the trailer. It got ugly. <laughs> Anyway, um, Billy Crystal was supposed to be playing a depressed single dude. So to offset his onset camaraderie, wordplay, thanks, Jordan, with Rob Reiner, he deliberately avoided hanging out with the cast and crew and spent most of his time alone in a hotel room mm. to get into the isolated mindset of a recent divorcee. Yeah. It's just called acting, Billy. Try it. <laughs> Billy Crystal. <laughs> IRL I know. It's the has... perfect excuse if you're like, Sorry, I don't want to hang out with anybody. Yeah, I can't come. I'm yeah. getting my craft perfected right yeah, now. Yeah, you guys should try it sometime instead of partying. Give me room service Yeah, and a do not disturb <laughs> door sign. Billy Crystal's been married for 53 years wow. to a woman named Janice Goldfinger, which sounds like uh, something <gasps> someone would throw out an improv night. <laughs> yeah. That definitely sounds like a fake name. He was taught at NYU by Marty? Yeah. Jordan, can you, can you verify this for me? Marty yeah, McFly. I yeah, I wrote it. <laughs> Marty McFly, yeah, he time traveled and taught him at NYU. And by Marty McFly and Marty nick nickname in quotes McFly Scorsese. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> that's what you're talking about. Got it. <laughs> my, that's my Marty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jordan Segway. I tried with the Sandra Bullock, and then it, and then it didn't, and then it fell and apart. And everyone ruined well, it. Oh. Sandra Bullock was not on the short list to play Sally. <laughs> Rob Reiner's first choice uh, was Susan Day of the Partridge Family and L.A. Law, which huh. uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. See what. You <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a hard time picturing eighties. Yeah. Saint Susan Day. Yeah. Uh, I really to her on like the flower bus. I can kind of see yeah. it. Day. Yeah. I can this see is it. crazy. I just put Susan Day into Google Images, and instead of writing nineteen eighty nine, I just put. 989 like a common typo that anyone would make and that changed my google results <laughs> from like wikipedia and ebay and all the normal image results that you come up for 989 the top one two three four results have suddenly become wiki feet oh you should look at mine i have like oh a 4.5 rating on there oh my gosh congratulations <laughs> thank you so much yeah i found that one day and i was like wow i'm really making it Finally. What does Susan Day have? Someone was like, do you know Brooke has a wiki feet? And I was like... Someone said that? Yeah, why do it you? Was, yeah, I do remember that. Susan Day is them. close to five. I regret to inform you. She has like a... Looks like a like a 4.9. Wow. Yeah. So is Someone that the workaround if you just only want to look at people's feet? <laughs> Absolutely. You just put 989? I don't know. Did we That's uncover a secret? I don't know. Let's see if it works with... Uh, Black market of feet. See if it works with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> No, it does. I'm really scared page. to look at feet be, on my phone. Might just be. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I have a couple pictures saved, but just <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Uh, it did not. So maybe that's just a Susan Day thing. Yeah. Everyone try it I, out at home. I promise, I'm not crazy. I personally, I will say to bring it back, since somebody has to clearly wrangle this in. I can't see <laughs> Susan Day <laughs> playing Sally. Like, I don't. I don't think that works for me at all. Like, if looking at the well, how do you feel about Elizabeth McGovern, Elizabeth Perkins, or Molly Ringwald? I could see maybe Elizabeth McGovern of those Who's three. That? 
But you guys also have Elizabeth Shue here, and I could definitely see Elizabeth Shue. That was my like fantasy casting. Yeah, I I feel like that would fit. Yeah, that would fit I could really definitely well. see it. Elizabeth McGovern is the. the I cannot the... see Elizabeth McGovern. Yeah, maybe in '89. She just looks like Carla Gugino to me. I literally thought they were the same woman, um, <laughs> which is misogynist of me. Day? I don't know. See? I also couldn't see Molly Ringwald. No, and I don't me know either. if it's just because she's so like entrenched in like pretty in pink 16 yeah it would have been distracting like, I can't, yeah I, yeah i can't un, i can't unmarry that hmm. well we have notes no, I, yeah i, I love the silence as we all google right <laughs> <laughs> translates love... perfect for audio <laughs> it really is perfect <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of silence <laughs> Do you guys want to listen to us breathe while we search the internet? <laughs> Everyone get really close up on your mics. <laughs> we're going to pivot. I'm pivoting this into ASMR. The feet thing didn't work out. So now we're just doing live ASMR. We're going to find a curve that loves us somewhere. <laughs> They're out there. Just give them time. Watergate factoid yeah. ASMR listeners. Speaking of perverts. <laughs> Speaking of perverts. <laughs> Rob Reiner was constantly getting petitioned by Meg Ryan, who had fallen in love with the script. <laughs> she would later say, I remember reading the script in like 40 minutes. It's a fast, funny, hilarious read, and there's a type of music to mm. it. As Reiner would recall, Meg Ryan was not a big name at the time, with her biggest role to date being a bit part in Top Gun. She'd auditioned to play the part of Billy Crystal's yeah. girlfriend in 1987's Throw Mama from the Train, which also co-starred <gasps> Rob Reiner, but she didn't Love get the movie. part. Mm -hmm. It's a great movie. <laughs> Even so, so she and Billy Crystal had a great audition together, and presumably he encouraged Reiner to consider casting her. Once she auditioned with Billy, the chemistry, according to them at alleged. least, was oh, obvious. Alleged oh. chemistry. I'd love to see those tapes. <laughs> Me too. And I'd love to get some toxicology reports on the people that looked at it and said the chemistry is good. Yeah. That's what I'm going to use my time machine for. Listen, if two people kiss in a movie and I don't feel a tingle in my vagina, there's no chemistry. I'm just going to say it. Okay? Someone has to say it. It's the truth. Say I know it. you guys say it don't say have it. that say same it. sensation, but... You know, you're brave woman, enough. I wish we could brave. have pool quotes for episodes. <laughs> we got it. Got it. I'd like to dig in deeper to this chemistry thing. One half of you is firmly anti that this pairing. Um, yeah. Do we have a rebuttal? Could you play devil's advocate? Or are you just both not feeling it at all? I, I can. This is just like Wondery forcing us to fight. I can say there. Wondery was like, we want you guys to disagree on things, and we're like, but we don't. <laughs> there was a couple we'll, things. We'll find yeah, a way. We'll find a way. I mean, there was like one, maybe one moment where I was like, okay, I feel a little bit of chemistry. I think maybe it was like the New Year's Eve kiss. Okay. Oh. But other hey, than one that, out of seventeen ain't exactly, bad. Exactly. I mean, that's as much as I can play devil's advocate on the chemistry. Well, Billy Crystal felt they had chemistry, at least. As Billy told Entertainment Weekly in 2019, Meg came in and we didn't even read a scene. We all knew it was her. It was just one of those indefinable things that when we started talking, we were them already, you know? And Meg also proved to be very good at improvising, which, as we'll discuss, was crucial to the production of this movie. In order to take the role of Sally, Meg Ryan was forced to drop out of Steel Magnolias with her role going to Julia Roberts. But this was another sort of sliding door moment for two rom-com queens because Meg Ryan passed on the lead role in Pretty Woman, which went to Julia Roberts. Okay, I know we're yeah. not doing alternate casting anymore, and I know we're on the clock, but Dolly Parton in When Harry Met Sally. 
Interesting. I'm just saying. Just chew on that for a while. And then, sorry, get back to yeah. it. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, that's good. Julie Roberts also turned down the Meg Ryan part in You've Got Mail. So it kind of Oh, yeah, just a flip-flop. Yeah. 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 Hmm. One element of the production of When Harry Met Sally that makes me sad is that Meg Ryan would later say that it was kind of a boys club. And she initially felt the odd woman out due to the tight-knit friendship between Rob Ryder and Billy Crystal. As she told the LA Times, they were very conscientious about making sure I felt okay because it was very much like a prefab relationship that I'd come into. Usually, everyone comes in and negotiates their respective positions on a movie. That didn't happen on this one. While one crew member described the early days of filming as very, very awkward in the making of book, I'll have what she's having, <laughs> they also added that Ryan was, quote, pretty at home with things by the end of production. She also formed close friendships with Nora and Carrie Fisher, which lasted until their deaths, which I think is lovely, except for the death part. Speaking of death, uh, no, I mean, to say that, let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. Uh, there was a concern in during production about what you charitably describe as the beauty discrepancy uh, <laughs> between Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, which Hollywood solved in the time-honored way of sticking some glasses on, uh, on, on Meg. I gotta say, uh, the glasses work for me. Efron supposedly said, well, we have to have glasses for the character because Meg's a lot more attractive than Billy is. And then proceeded <laughs> to have her try on between two and six hundred pairs of eyeglasses. <laughs> and this occurred at Starry Eyes Optical Service. Optician to the stars? I added that. Question mark? It's a prop It's a prop glasses place, I'm, I'm guessing? I, I think... Ah, f*** it. Uh, it was during this process that Meg ultimately found a pair of vintage, one-of-a-kind Robert LaRoche frames that she deemed suitable. Not only were these big honkin' Sally Jesse Raphael frames valued at five grand in $89 or 12 grand today, but Meg, a woman after my own heart, tried to steal them before learning that they actually belonged to the shop's owner. Uh, ultimately, they made 20-some replicas for production. Jordan, while I read this next part, do you want to Google and see if there are any up for sale at Julian's or anything? Yes. This movie also in the casting department features a first kid. And no, I'm not talking about the movie that stars some interchangeable <laughs> brunette moppet from the 1990s. And I want to say Sinbad. I mean, I right. an illiteral offspring of the president. Few people remember Sally's pre-hairy boyfriend, Joe, described as a tall, sentient surfboard of a man. Uh, he's played by Stephen Ford, son of our equally forgettable president, Gerald Ford. Yeah. Uh, Stephen was a male model before getting into politics. Insert Zoolander quote. <laughs> this casting is hilarious because Steve Ford was originally cast to play an almost identical role, the blandly attractive boyfriend that the heroine dates prior to winding up with the leading man she was always supposed to be with, in Greece. He was cast to play Sandy's boyfriend, Tom, before backing out due to supposedly stage fright. Uh, a coke addiction? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Uh, thankfully, he got his second chance in When Harry Met Sally and would go on to appear in films such as our beloved Armageddon, Black Hawk Down, and Transformers. A big fan of the military-industrial complex and Michael Bay. And... <laughs> he is the president's son. Yeah. And he plays, a, he plays a Secret Service agent in Escape from New York from old Johnny Carpenter. 
Steve Ford is also involved in one of your favorite presidential stories of all time. In the summer of 19, which I will now read, in the instead of you, in the summer of 1974, soon after his father inherited the presidency from Richard Nixon, a then 18-year-old Steve Ford and a friend took his stereo to the White House roof and played Led Zeppelin IV, technically known as Untitled, but or the Runes album, uh, so loud it could be heard across Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, Jordan, if you had access to the White House roof, what song would you blast? Would it be something lame like the Beach Boys or would it be something bitchin' like Led Zeppelin? I'd say Who's Next. I'd say uh, uh, I Won't Get Fooled Again. God, yeah, Won't Get Fooled Again or Bob O'Reilly from the White House would f***ing slap. Right? I yeah. would say War Pigs by Black Sabbath just for the, cog- <laughs> the cognitive dissonance, but actually kind of want to give it to Kate Bush. We're going to put on Hounds of Love, side A and B, as she intended for the record to be heard. Anyway, um, post 9-11, the roof was uh, actually transformed into a sniper's nest and access for non-security purposes became impossible. Steve Ford would later say, I feel sorry for Obama and the Bush girls. They never got a chance to drag their stereos up to the roof. Well said, Steve. Well, on the topic of actors with famous parents, When Harry Met Sally has more than its fair share. At least five of the film's cast members and creators came from show business families. Most well-known, of course, is Carrie Fisher, whose parents were Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher. Rob Reiner's father was comedy legend Carl Reiner, and his mother, Estelle Reiner, had been an accomplished jazz singer. Nora Ephron's parents, we mentioned, Henry and Phoebe Ephron, were highly successful Hollywood screenwriters and producers. Bruno Kirby had also followed in the footsteps of his character actor dad, Bruce Kirby. He'd had a bit part as the storekeeper in Rob Reiner's Stand By Me. And Billy Crystal's father and uncle were both prominent in the record industry, working closely with legends like Billie Holiday. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. But we'll be right back with more Too Much Information in just a moment. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? Yes. This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, folks. It's Jordan, breaking the fourth wall for a change. I got to level with you. We spend so much time talking about feet and furries and ASMR and locker rooms and plane crashes and Chris Evans and my pathetic love life that our guests needed to step out for a minute and attend to some business. Don't worry, they'll be back by the end of the episode. But for now, you're stuck with High Goal Nye. All right, we're moving on to the production. <laughs> Principal photography for When Harry Met Sally began on August 29th, 1988, with a budget of $14.5 million, which is $36 million today. Pretty cheap. Less than half of what the other big comedy of 1989, Ghostbusters 2, cost to produce. Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron wanted many of the scenes to be set against some of New York City's most beautiful locations to highlight the lead character's complete lack of awareness. In other words, they're as blind to the love growing between them as they are to the romance of their surroundings. That's fascinating, man. I love that. Right? Like, just yeah. consciously putting them in New York's most beautiful locations and having them not address it at all. Address it, yeah. That's amazing. Really galaxy brain stuff. Yeah. I mean, the perfect example of this is when Harry moves into his new apartment. There are these huge bay windows that overlook the Empire State Building. And it could be viewed as either the greatest view in the world or the loneliest. Shooting took place on location in various New York City locales, including Central Park and the Loeb Boathouse, where Sally's lunch with Marie and Alice was filmed. The Puck Building, which served as the location for the two New Year's Eve parties and also Marie and Jess's wedding. Giant Stadium, a loft in Soho, which stood in for Harry's apartment, and Katz's Deli on the Lower East Side, which we will talk more about in a moment. But for all the location shooting, the most difficult scene was pretty mundane, or at least appeared so on the screen. It's the four-way telephone call after Harry and Sally first sleep with each other and call their friends, played by Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby, at exactly the same time. Carrie and Bruno's characters are in bed together, so it's a three-way split screen. Through the movie, Rob Reiner uses split screen to show characters talking on the phone, which is an old classic cinematic device inspired by the 1959 Rock Hudson Doris Day rom-com Pillow Talk. But the scene in When Harry Met Sally was significantly more complicated, this three-way split call. Rob Reiner told USA Today in 2019, it's like doing a magic trick. No one sees the trick because it doesn't look like anything. But technical people have always asked me, how did you do that shot? To get their conversation synchronized, the you know two sets of conversations, the crew used three cameras to film the four actors on three different sets that were connected by a real telephone line to get the timing just right. 
So in other words, you had Billy Crystal in Harry's bedroom set, Meg Ryan in Sally's bedroom set, and Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby in the middle in their bedroom set, all talking on the phone for real. And it was all one continuous take. So if one person screwed up even a single line in the, I think it was like four pages of rapid fire dialogue, he had to start all over again. And as a result, they spent an entire day shooting 61 takes of this scene until they nailed it. One earlier take, Rob Reiner estimates that it would have been in the low 50s, went perfectly, but as the cast celebrated, a sound technician informed them that birds wrestling in the studio rafters had ruined it. So the birds were shooed out of the studio, and take 56 seemed like it would have been flawless with each character hanging up the phone in order. And then Bruno Kirby blew the very last line of the scene. Presumably they all hit, they all threw pillows at him or something, and then they finally nailed it five takes later for take sixty one. What else is Bruno? Why don't I like that guy? He was in um, yeah Godfather and Part Two, and he was in um, Good Morning Vietnam. He's the uh, the station manager, scrawny station manager that uh, is out to get Robin Williams. Oh, oh, he's the limo driver in Spinal Tap. That's why. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that you know what that biography should be called? Yes, I can. If Frank Sinatra says it's okay. Uh, the telephone scene was obviously meticulously scripted, but Reiner encouraged improvising on the set. Many of the most beloved moments in the film were made up on the fly. One of these little moments occurred in the scene where we first meet Harry as he embarks on a road trip with Sally at the beginning of the movie. The bit where Harry eats grapes and spits one of them directly into a closed window. Uh... <laughs> Was not in the it's script. Bit. Reiner said, I wanted to make Harry a little bit rougher around the edges to start. So we came up with this idea of him eating the grapes. Billy said, I can just be spitting the seeds out the window. That's what gave Harry a little bit more abruptness. Billy and I came up with that as on the set as we were doing it. I found it so disgusting how he just rolls down the winner, uh, window with it still on there. Another scene that was partially ad-libbed is when Harry starts speaking in the goofy voice at the Met Museum. Uh, proud of proud, proud to partake of your pecan pie and so forth. That always bothered me. Yeah, it's dumb. It's an, one of those moments yeah. I was talking about earlier where they were like, "Yeah, just give it to Crystal, throw it to Crystal." Just go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, midway through the scene, you can see Meg Ryan actually breaking character with a laugh. She looks off camera to Reiner though, who indicated that she should keep going, and she jumps back into it. Spontaneity was so great that they left the take in break and all. Uh, Meg, Ryan, Meg Ryan also showed off her improv skills during the Pictionary win, lose, or draw scene when she's frantically trying to get everyone to guess the phrase baby talk. According to Reiner, he didn't direct Meg on what to sketch. He just gave her the phrase to draw, and she went for it, which led to the other actors spewing out hilarious non-scripted guesses, including Bruno Kirby's immortal baby fish mouth. That's a great line. So they used to call me in college. But the crowning achievement of Meg Ryan's improv skills is the infamous deli scene. The scene came out of a conversation between Nora and Reiner, where he basically said, okay, I've told you all sorts of guy secrets. What about the stuff that women do that men don't know about? Her response was Sally's revelation. Reiner's response was basically identical to Harry's. He was so shocked to hear that women uh, fake it that he apparently called six different women at his production company <laughs> into his office and asked them to confirm that this was a thing, a move that he would later admit should have gotten him sued and or canceled. I don't like this. Gets yeah, gross. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, initially, the scene was just supposed to be a conversation about whether or not women uh, fake sexual pleasure but during a read-through meg ryan said well why don't i just do it and it was billy crystal's idea for the scene to be set in a crowded restaurant 
Rob Reiner wanted the Carnegie Deli, but ultimately they went for Katz's Deli, open since 1888, for reasons that I assume either involved permits or pastrami preference. In what I have to imagine is an example of mansplaining that will be taught in universities until the end of time, Rob Reiner ended up acting out exactly what he wanted Ryan to do Gross. after her first few takes. An image that will never leave my head. <laughs> In front of the entire cast and crew, <laughs> he felt that her performance initially was, quote, very tepid. His attempt yielded a round of applause from all the extras, which famously included his own mother. Rob Reiner talked about his big moment in an interview with the Daily Beast. He said, I sat down opposite Billy and I acted it out. I pounded the table again and again going, yes, yes, yes. And when we were done, I turned to Billy and I said, uh-oh. I just realized I had a huge orgasm in front of my mother. A phrase I never thought I'd say. This is... Uh, Billy... I'm, I'm mortified. I was going to say we should have talked about this scene with the guests on, but I don't think either of us would have survived it. Yeah, no, I'm kind of actually secretly glad that we're doing this without them. Billy joked that it was like being on a date with Sebastian Cabot, which is mean, but accurate. And then Meg Ryan sat down and did the scene better than... Anyone could have done it. Laura Efron noticed an interesting response to the scene when she went to a test screening of this movie in Las Vegas, specifically the males in the audience, who she said remained silent. They didn't get it, she said. The women did, however. They laughed, and their laughter became infectious until, one by one, the men joined in. Efron wasn't sure whether the women had, in effect, given the men permission to laugh, or whether the men were, quote, being told that something up on the screen was funny and they'd better laugh or look stupid. <laughs> she had a low opinion of us as a as a sex, huh? I mean, we, we haven't we didn't do much to really earn it from her, did we? Very true. Yeah. Uh, this scene has obviously been enshrined in the pantheon of classic movie moments. Katz's Deli is very proud of its place in Hollywood history and has placed a sign marking the table where Meg Ryan sat. They also staged an all-have-what-she's-having contest where an enthusiastic participants can uh, perform. They want to see who can perform the best. The Deli's owner chooses five winners judged on points including enthusiasm and commitment. And the prize package is worth $135, including a t-shirt, tote bag, pins, and all the ingredients to make the sandwich that both Harry and Sally are eating during the scene. Uh, this scene sort of predictably has led to some awkward moments between Meg Ryan and her children. <laughs> Speaking to our former colleagues at People Magazine, Ryan recalled a time when then-fiancé John Mellencamp decided it would be a good idea to let their 14-year-old daughter watch the movie. Ryan said, I'm walking around the house doing other stuff. I can hear baby fish mouth. I hear the orgasm scene, and then there's a silence from the room they're watching in. My daughter's 14. And John goes, Meg, I'm not explaining this. <laughs> what a piece of sh <laughs> I'm going out for a smoke. Yeah, I'm going to go into my painting room. Honey, you handle this. He was the grumpiest man I've ever interviewed, by the way. So I'm glad that, that story's out there. Yeah. <laughs> but at least Meg Ryan didn't have to perform that scene in front of her mother, which is what Rob Reiner had to do when he was demonstrating. Heigl, tell us about Rob Reiner's mother, Estelle. His mother, Estelle, one of the most famous go-to answers in all of trivia history. <laughs> I guarantee you, if you throw a, a, a you know, a, a, what's the proverbial phrase? You can't swing a cat in a room, a dead cat in a room without hitting somebody who knows that that's Rob Reiner's mom. Uh, the classic I'll have what he, she's having line. Uh, Rob originally called his mom and asked if she would come in for one line that for all he knew may have 
ended up on the cutting room floor. She replied, I don't care as long as I get to spend the day with my son. I'll come oh. and I'll have a hot dog. And she nailed it in two takes. Eh, I could have done it in one. With <laughs> I'll Have What She's Having, a Billy Crystal ad-lib, ranking 33 on the American Film Institute's list of top 100 movie quotations. Upon her death in 2008 at the age of 94, the New York Times referred to Estelle Reiner in its obituary as the woman who delivered one of the most memorably funny lines in movie history. But this is not the only family connection in the film for Rob Reiner. There's a scene where Harry and Sally are in new relationships. Harry has begun dating a woman named Emily. Portraying Emily in the scene is actually Reiner's 24-year-old daughter, Tracy. Billy Crystal noted that the casting choice made things slightly awkward because he knew her since she was a little girl. Tracy Reiner were going to play Betty Spaghetti Horn in her mom, Penny Marshall's film, A League of Their Own, and also the wife of astronaut Fred Hayes in Apollo 13. And Rob Reiner himself, lastly, has a cameo in the film. During the New Year's Eve party scene, his voice can be heard off camera saying, Hey everybody, 10 seconds until New Year. Hey everybody, we're all gonna get late. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we mentioned earlier that Harry riffs about, uh, obnoxiously, about what Old Lang Syne actually means. It's Robert Burns, you cretin. It's Scottish. Um... <laughs> Years earlier, Rob Reiner had a similar line of dialogue when he was playing Mike Stivick in the TV show All in the Family. For an added dose of authenticity, the New Year's Eve scene where Harry professes his love to Sally was reportedly filmed on an actual New Year's Eve in New York City. Like he did for so much of the movie, Billy Crystal improvised a lot of the New Year's Eve confessional scene, including the sweet line where he tells Sally, I love the way your nose crinkles. And also, when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Probably the other most iconic line from the film. Great line. Insane yeah. he ad-libbed that. Uh, probably a little late to say spoiler alert, but the film's happy ending very nearly didn't happen. Originally, the movie was going to have Harry and Sally stay separated, only to bump into each other five years later on the street before walking off in separate directions, leaving viewers to wonder whether or not they'd reunite romantically. And this was largely due to the fact that, originally, you'll remember, the characters were based on Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron, who apparently were not a love match. Nora later said in a DVD featurette, those types of people don't get together, which is a revelation that kind of crushed me. <laughs> Test audiences, however, were not fans of this more truthful ending. Reiner decided to give the characters a happy ending after he had one for himself. While he was making When Harry Met Sally, he met his future wife, photographer Michelle Singer. He later said, I fell in love, and I said, I see how this works. The two were originally introduced by the film's cinematographer and future Men in Black director Barry Sonnenfeld. Reiner apparently had heard that Michelle Pfeiffer was getting divorced and, jokingly, I hope, told Sonnenfeld that he was going to call Pfeiffer. Presumably trying to save Rob Reiner from a brutal rejection, Sonnenfeld responded, You're not going to call her. You're going to marry my friend Michelle Singer. And that's exactly what he did. They were introduced soon after, and they were married in 1989, the year when Harry Met Sally was released. And they're still together today. They have three children, and by my count, five grandchildren. So they got their happy ending, and so did Harry and Sally, who end the movie on the couch, talking about their origin story like all the other couples we've seen thus far in the movie. In my ending, <laughs> the final date card comes up to the film. September 11th, 2001. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, there's no real good spot to put this in, especially <laughs> after what Heigl just said, but uh, 
The movie gets so much of his New York loungy Woody Allen knockoff feel from the piano standards played by Mr. Harry Connick Jr. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Harry Connick Jr. (laughs) One of the happiest people I've ever interviewed. And he won his first ever Grammy for Best Jazz Male Vocal Performance for this soundtrack, catapulting the 22-year-old into the limelight. The album went double platinum in the U.S. and hit number one on the Billboard traditional jazz charts. Um, I don't have much to say that's interesting about Harry Connick Jr., except for the fact that he's a piano prodigy, which is interesting. And also his dad was the DA of New Orleans for 30 years, which is yeah. like kind of badass. It's kind of badass, but also New Orleans is like one of the most corrupt places of the past 50 years. Like their their major scandal in the 90s was the fact that their narcotics department of the NOPD was running a narcotics ring. Um <laughs> But, uh, no, I'm just contractually obligated every time uh, Harry comes up to mention that clip of him. Have you seen the clip of him where he turns the crowd around Yeah, on the beat? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty amazing. Uh, everyone should go Google this. There's a, you know, the whole thing about white people not being able to clap on the two and the four of the backbeat. They just always, no matter how the song starts, they end up clapping on the wrong beat. So Harry's solution, he's taking an unaccompanied piano solo, is he throws in an extra beat uh, and I think, I mean, he's playing eighth notes, right? So he literally just, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he just throws in a, like a little, he may, plays one bar five, four is what I mean to say, instead of the four, four that he's playing in. And this has the effect of successfully flipping the crowd's wrong beat back around to two and four. And it's really without them even realizing it, you kind of hear them, like you kind of watch and hear them go, wait, something feels better now. But it's like it's one of the most incredible pieces of like musical live music, like magic that you'll ever see. I I implore (laughs) everyone to go check it out. It's amazing. So Harry gets a pass in my book. (laughs) Well, both Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal had low hopes for the movie when it was released on July 14th, 1989. It was competing against summer blockbusters like your beloved Batman and Indiana Mm. Jones and the Last Crusade. My beloved Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So they figured that this relatively small comedy was going to get crushed. Efron later explained that the studio was afraid of it because, quote, it has no safety net. It entirely depends on your caring about these two people. There's no real plot. And as a way to combat the competition and also the huge marketing budgets of their competition, the studio released the film in just a few theaters in its first week, about 90, in an effort to allow positive word of mouth to spread. This tactic paid off when When Harry Met Sally raked in nearly $93 million at the box office, making it the 11th highest grossing movie of the year. Reiner later told People Magazine, you never know. You make a movie and hopefully you like it and hopefully other people do too. You have no idea if it'll stand the test of time. And it's kind of cool that it did. But in keeping with a TMI tradition, When Harry Met Sally is another beloved classic that was trashed by the critics upon its release. Writing in the New York Times, Karen James called it, quote, an often funny but amazingly hollow film that, quote, romanticized lives of intelligent, successful, neurotic New Yorkers. She went on to dismiss it as a, as a Woody Allen ripoff, citing everything from its white-on-black credits to its classic jazz-influenced score to its obsessive conversations about love, sex, and death. When Harry Met Sally's the most blatant bow from one director to another since Woody Allen imitated Igmar Bergman in Interiors. The review reads, Roger Ebert was more muted, calling it most conventional in terms of structure and the way it fulfills our expectations. <laughs> so the critics didn't really like when Harry met Sally, but you know who did? One of my favorite royals. Ar- the Archduke Franz Ferdinand? 
<laughs> is that is it, uh, did dukes count as royalty? Uh yeah, because wasn't Philip wasn't wasn't the crypt keeper uh <laughs> uh old scratch? Yeah, he married uh, into it. Wasn't he the Duke of Edinburgh or something? Yeah, but I don't know. I I I count him as having married into it, you know. Sure. God, I, he's in hell. God, I hope he's in, he's in hell. <laughs> There's no I hope he's in hell. Uh yes, Jordan, that's correct. Princess Diana. Uh, she was hearing, actually hearing see- you say Princess Diana. I can literally hear the bile rising in your throat as you I, say it. I like Princess Diana. I because she, she left because pe- she bounced. She was the people's pri- She was yes. She was the people's princess, and she threw a giant, as they would say, spanner into the works. A wobbler. A, th- a wobbler's a fit though, right? Like a tantrum through a wobbly. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. I thought that was just like anything that that doesn't go according to plan. No, I think throw a spanner into the works is it? Because because the tool that Doctor Who has and is called like the interdimensional spanner or something. So it's a wrench. It's a British word for a wrench, right? Yeah. yeah. So she okay. threw a spanner into the work. Look, anything that makes the the actual royals unhappy, I'm hundred percent on board for. So good for good for Princess Di. Less good for her was that she was seated next to Billy Crystal at the UK <laughs> premiere of the film. And God, can you imagine being a statuesque royal seated next to the most thirstily always be closing comic? Like, how much do you think he was just riffing to her about like uh, Yorkshire pudding or something the whole <laughs> time? She was so tall. She was like five foot. Ele- She's like my height. She's like five eleven. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm sure that did it for him. Uh, as Billy Crystal, we're just fucking wailing on Billy Crystal. It's like the Simpsons gift. Like, leave him alone. He's dead already. <laughs> Flogging his corpse. As, uh, he recalled in his book, I'll have what she's having. When the orgasm scene starts, Diana was laughing so hard, just belching it out. She had the kind of laugh where if you were on a date, you'd never want to see her again. Then she grabbed my hand and said, so naughty. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Dial it back. You think that's true? <laughs> no. So, so naughty's a little on the nose. It's a little Austin Powers. Yeah, grabbing his hand. Like, there weren't, like, seven British snipers, like, SAS guys in the back of the theater waiting for her to take her out if she did something that so bold. Reiner, Rob Reiner, who was nervous about how Princess Di would take the scene, remembered her leaning over to Billy and whispering, I'd be laughing a lot more, but I know everyone's watching me. Which backs up exactly what I just said. According to Reiner, she had a copy of the film sent to Kensington Palace so she could watch it with her friends. In addition to getting the royal seal of approval, When Harry Met Sally got something that's even more rare for a rom-com. Oscar recognition. Nora Ephron received an Oscar nod for best writing, but the trophy ultimately went to Dead Poet Society. Yeah, that scans. Yeah. yeah. A A sweeter tribute would come almost 30 years later, though, from Meg Ryan's son, Jack. The 20-something revealed on a panel in 2018 that he had recently watched When Harry Met Sally for the first time. He explained the delay by saying, Guys, when your mother has one of the most famous orgasm scenes of all time, you do not jump on the film, okay? I saw it because I was filming a rom-com, and that's like THE rom-com. I watched it, and then afterwards I cried for so long because I was so proud of her. And I immediately called her, and I'm like, I'm so sorry I missed this movie. She's like, I've only seen it one time. Anyway, that's my favorite of hers. And most importantly... In 2022, when Harry Met Sally was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. 
I made sure to add that for you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's deeply important to me. I love when famous actors admit that they have not seen one of their most iconic movies either at all or since the premiere. I feel like it happens a lot. I feel like most actors have been through, filmed so many movies that they thought were good based on their scenes or their or the script and then have been burned by finding out what a piece of dog shit it was in the yeah. final product that it's quite understandable they would shy away from it. That's that's true, yeah. Wasn't well, that that Gwyneth Paltrow clip that went viral a couple of years ago where she was like, wait, I was in like one of the Marvel movies and she was, I think she was either doing a podcast or- doing Yeah, I think her daughter like, or someone else reminded her like, you were in Iron Man 3. She's Something like, no, I wasn't. Like, that. like yeah. what do you mean? Yeah. It's like, no, you, yeah, you were. Love that. And hate that. Two things can be true at the same time. <laughs> I'm learning to hold tension and hold space for conflicting emotions. <laughs> when Harry Met Sally was later adopted into a stage show that premiered in London's West End in 2004. Harry and Sally were played respectively by Luke Perry, R.I.P., and Alison Hannigan, the latter of whom kind of makes sense to me because of how I met your mother, that whole connection. That kind of makes sense. The actors were later replaced by Michael Lands, who I was not familiar with until I looked him up, and then I realized that he played Kevin Arnold's rival for the hand of Winnie Cooper on The Wonder Years. And therefore you hate him. Yeah, basically. And Molly Ringwald, who was also an early pick to play Sally in the movie. So the order of the universe, according to Rob Reiner, has been restored. Good. And all was well. So I'm eating my vitamin C supplements. Oh, good. You feeling good? No. <laughs> <laughs> when Harry Met Sally was a launching pad for Meg Ryan as a rom-com queen, she would go on to star in three more projects penned by Nora Ephron, 1993's Sleepless in Seattle, 1998's You've Got Mail, and a third film that doesn't exist, 2000's Hanging Up. Two out of three ain't bad, Meg, Nora. I think it was uh, Walter Matthau's last movie. That's the only reason why it holds any any space for me. Depressing. Wait. Yeah, it's a Nora Ephron movie. Oh, no, that was Walter Landau's last movie. It was Ed Wood. Martin Landau. Martin Landau. But I get it. Kind of tall, lanky. Weird face guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Un we regret the right air, there. but I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Too much information regrets the air. Um, <laughs> fittingly, uh, it was the scene shot uh, when Harry and Sally run into each other in the Shakespeare and Co. bookstore that actually inspired Nora Ephron to write You've Got Mail. Inspiration struck her when the uh, location of that bookstore chain. Is it a chain or just the location? A uh, local chain. Lo okay. There's like a couple of them. I think it's one of France, too, actually. That's you didn't need up. to know that. Sorry. No. Uh, <laughs> inspiration struck Nora when the Shakespeare and Co. location from the film closed down shortly after Barnes & Noble opened up nearby, which became the subplot of the movie. When Harry Met Sally also teased a future Rob Reiner project, Harry can be seen reading Stephen King's Misery, which Reiner would make the following year, starring James Caan and Kathy Bates. As I said earlier, a very different kind of rom-com. <laughs> I can't tell if it, well, I can't tell if it was just a visual joke because Harry's reading it alone. The paperwork must have been in place for that. Maybe. Like, come on, it's Stephen f***ing King. Like, but it's a good bit because he's alone in his apartment and he's newly divorced and he's just reading a giant book that says misery on it. It's pretty good. Two things can be true at the same time. <laughs> Too much information. Two things can be true at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Reiner also included a, uh, a conspicuously placed copy, VHS copy of When Harry Met Sally during a scene in Misery set in a uh, video rental store, which is very funny. Well, mercifully, Rob Reiner never wanted to revisit When Harry Met Sally, and nor did Nora Ephron, or Billy Crystal, or Meg Ryan. Billy Crystal later told Variety, as we get older, what would the movie be about? When Harry left Sally? When Sally got sick? Oh! <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Just let them be happy and where everybody wants them to be. For all of us who believe in happily ever after, that's where they are. They're in hell. <laughs> Rob Reiner weighed in on the 30th anniversary of the film in 2019 when speaking on a panel at the Turner Classic Movies Classic Film Festival. He said that the pair were indeed still together. That doesn't mean they haven't had tremendous ups and downs or a bit on the verge of divorce and got back together, just like any relationship. But I do think they're still together. And finally, I guess this leads us to the central question of the film. Can men and women just be friends? The two leads more or less took the point of view of their characters. Meg Ryan gave her opinion to USA Today. Yes, men and women can just be friends. I have a lot of platonic male friends. And sex doesn't get in the way. Billy Crystal, on the other hand, said... I'm a little more optimistic than Harry, but I think it's difficult. Men basically act like stray dogs in front of a supermarket. I do have platonic female friends, but not best, best friends. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to Google. Do you think he's talking about Rob Reiner? Oh, yeah. Oh, I think we're still tight. Billy Crystal friends. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get a guest appearance on friends. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Billy Crystal... Oh, wow. And Robin Williams, apparently. Billy Crystal women friends. No, that's just, that's just clips. Um, <laughs> is Billy Crystal a good person? Friends with a woman. <laughs> Still nothing. Still nothing. Uh, if you or a loved one <laughs> identify as female and are friends with Billy Crystal... Please get in touch via Twitter, and we'll Venmo you five bucks. <laughs> Actually, shit, I already transferred my bank, my Venmo balance this week. Uh, Jordan, that's on you, buddy. All right, I got you. Well, before we wrap it up today, we got to give the final word to our guests and hear their thoughts on a When Harry Met Sally sequel. Okay, picture me as a sleazy executive. Um, okay. You guys are pitching Easy, When Harry done. Met Sally 2. <laughs> Meet harder. Uh-huh. What do you what do you got? Like who to play? Is it M E A T or M E E E T? I don't know. It's up to you. You're the creatives. I'm just the money man. Okay. What do you what do you want from us to tell you what it's gonna be about? An yeah. outline, uh, a pitch. Pitch me. Impress wow me. Right? That's what Dazzle they say. Me. Dazzle me. Well, Dazzle I mean, me. no one had to do that for the first film, so why do we have to do that for the second? <laughs> the patriarchy? I don't know. <laughs> they got to make it themselves. Um <laughs> Uh, I don't know. They they're broken up. Mm. They're both separated. Well, was they've been separated? An alternate for like ten years ending or something. Was it? Or wasn't there? What, you said something about an alternate ending. What was that? Wasn't it like something where they like the original ending was gonna be that they break up okay. and then they meet on the street and then they they literally go in opposite like directions. Like the break up. That's literally the end of the it breakup. Is. Oh, I thought you were talking oh, about the scene Jennifer in Aniston and Vince Vaughn, in which yeah. was an alternate ending from the original one that they had. Oh. oh, they were going to get together in the no, original version the original of the one was they were, the original one was, they were both like with other people. 
And I think uh, in the actual ending, only one of them was, or neither just of them was, and they just like run into each other on the street. Yeah. Yeah. So in the original one, they were both with people, and apparently focus groups were like, never. <laughs> But they tolerated them just running into each other on the street. They should have done the ending from Meet Joe Black, where they look at each other a couple times and they miss each other. And then he walks out <sighs> in the street yes. and gets bounced around by a taxi cab. That's truly that so was... unhinged. Yeah. Was that the ending? I... You had good buddy. Come on. You you're well, on Twitter. You had to have seen that. Yeah. I've seen it. I didn't know that was the ending. Yeah. Well. For him. Yeah. Just kidding. Almost. <laughs> Wasn't there just like a little bit after? Because it was like now he's dead. That was a lot. I, you know what see. I actually, the only reason that's on my mind is because I saw the part of him doing the Jamaican accent from, from that movie. Oh, no. <laughs> Where he talks to the old Which Jamaican. Again, can you talk a little that, bit about accent? Reason. Just kidding. Yeah, Jordan. Oh. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. okay, so, exact. We have 30 seconds in this elevator. Here's what it's going to oh, be. Like it. You got to green light it. They broke up. It's been 10 years. Okay. And they both have lived their lives and they run into each other in New York City, of, of course. course. And Brooke will oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they both have kids <laughs> from oh, donors. They don't canceled. have partners. <laughs> oh. And their kids are dating. This is. <gasps> wow. Or they How become friends. They become friends. I don't know. Okay, I wasn't prepared. I mean, their kids are like thirty now. There you go. They met in a support. So group. it's when Harry's kids meet Sally's kids. Yeah. That's the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really rolls off the tongue. Cheaper by the Sally. Nope. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Off okay. Harry and Sally's kids are all right. <laughs> Sallyless in Seattle. Yeah. There you go. I think I'd like to petition. Oh, one of them oh. dies. Who? Oh. One of the kids? Turns uh, out they had a twin. Yeah, wait, the no, kids? No, one of Sally or Harry dies. Mm. Oh. One of them they had a twin they didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Probably Harry, like statistically, because he's the man, right? Mm. Is that how it works? Yeah, statistically. Yeah. Oh, men die way earlier. Oh, I thought you meant men are more likely to have a twin. I can't back that up. I can't back that up. That would be insane. Is it like a weekend to Bernie's situation where they have to like pretend that they're together to get like the inheritance or something? Is there like a kind of con comedy angle here? Or it's just that <laughs> she then falls in love with the twin? Or does she fall in love with his corpse and his friends are holding him up <laughs> pretending like he's real? <laughs> like, just like Weekend at Harry's. Weekend at Harry's, yeah. Actually, okay. Uh-oh. Erase everything I've just said. Okay. Done. It's been 10 years, 15 years, whatever. They have no children. They've broken up. And it's they're at a new they happen to see each other at a New Year's Eve party. Oh, another and New they're Year's like, Eve party. Okay. Ah. Yeah. Cause you've got to tie it somehow to the first one. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like, okay, our we've like kind of lived our lives. We're in like the later stages. It's like that, um, what's that stupid <laughs> movie that I hate? Cheaper by the dozen. I had to too. turn it off. It was so bad. No, I love that movie. It's got Tom Welling in it. It does. Um, Smallville, mm-hmm. Superman. Um, Who has real superpowers? Uh, it's I can't remember. But it's a uh, it's a uh, Jack Nicholson's in it. The it's sweetest gotta give. Good. The sweetest thing. Something's something's got to give. Something's got to give. give. Yeah. When... Either that or as good as it gets. Where it's like, is that the one with Diane Keaton? <laughs> I think they... something's got to give is with Diane Keaton. As good as it gets is when he has OCD. Oops, sorry, we've reached my floor, time. so I don't have time to hear this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this pitch is exactly how my pitches normally go. <laughs> okay, I'm not pitching anymore. Okay, this idea is gold. I'm gonna yeah, take it, save to it for yourself. Those Don't give it out for with free. all that money. Yeah. 
Heigl and I had a show that we wanted to pitch, which was just every episode is we take a movie and spend the entire episode just spitballing sequels. I love it. And I really, I do want to do that. We should well, do that. Well, if this has proved anything, it's that it's great. It has great legs. content, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in mine, yeah. I think I think Sally goes is put in witness protection because of her role in Watergate comes out. Oh. Um, and Harry has, oh. remember, he was an attorney, so mm-hmm. he's now transitioned into doing, because uh, he was consulting, I think, for the, no, business consultant. Anyway, he's transitioned <laughs> into working with the government now, and he actually finds Harry, uh, uh, Sally's cover, and mm. then Chris Evans and Sandra Bullock come in <laughs> as opposing agents no, no, from uh-huh. Russia and uh-huh. the Secret Service opposing or agents? another government wing, and they yeah. are both trying to find Sally first, and Ooh. Harry's in there too, and mm-hmm. um, Addison Ray is in there, <laughs> and... Uh, She's just dancing know, in the corner. Get, get off the yeah, elevator. Yeah, yeah, and uh, who else is hot right now? Um, uh, wait, 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 wait. Emma when Stone. Harry and Sally <laughs> cross with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm. See, no, because now you're making Which it plausible, one? and I just want to make it weird. Yeah, like maybe she's like Sally's on the run, and Harry's like, I gotta help her. We used to be in love. And when then... Thelma met Louise, yeah, and Harry was there too. <laughs> and he stopped the car from going off the cliff. Audiences Aww. love long titles. They do. <laughs> Plays like melancholy the baby. Thing I hear about them. <laughs> when Harry met Sally again and they're old. Plays melancholy baby. That's that's my okay. title. Uh, so, okay, Let's five minutes. Greenlit. Five minutes. Uh, final thoughts. Should we do a final, should we do final thoughts from you guys? Like Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer. Yeah. Final Jerry thoughts. Springer. Final thought. Um, you know, in a God. world without chemistry. <laughs> Right? He died? He did die. Oh, yeah. We did an episode he on did. him. You know, he, he was mayor of Cincinnati for a brief yeah. time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. Love that guy. He lived a life. My God. He's an interesting he dude. Really? Yeah. Real piece yeah. of yeah. though. F*** him. <laughs> so, Wait, is he? he? I, can you? I, I, I don't know. We did this. You have a whole well, we did this theory whole, about. We did this theory. whole. the death of the boomer dream. Yeah, <laughs> we did this whole episode about how on him. And I, I kind of thought that, like, you know, he was like more or less like an idealistic young guy who then became like the most parasitic, lowest common denominator, feeding the worst impulses of the country, like wow. TV jerk for just like mm. miles, of, sitting on piles and piles of his mo- money. So I don't know. Wow. Final That's thought. Sad. Anyway, R.I.P. Yeah. Final thought is, thank God Jerry's dead did not have to hear this. I'll say it to his face. <laughs> like, I will dig up his grave. <laughs> I will. Got a Ouija board and a glass. Yeah, and, it's in Connecticut And I will have right? Harry and Sally animate his corpse so I can tell him. Here you go. Just like in the scene. When Jerry sequel. met Sally. Ooh. There it is. Finally. Do we need final thoughts after that? Oh, well, that's our pitch. Um, this is all verbal. Final thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Oh. I do have a legitimate final thought. Okay. As much as I was not into the lack of chemistry, mm-hmm. I will say this movie gives you like some of the classic rom-com tropes that we like crave. Like the scene, which I think was on the cover, if I remember yeah. seeing the DVD and Blockbuster with like the, <laughs> the leaves, yeah, the beautiful yeah. fall yeah. leaves. And like New York City, I'm sorry, New York City is a character in rom-com. It is the main character. Like, it's one of the... F- lead character. It's a necessity. It should be credited. Yes. It should be starring New York yes. City. Yes. If I don't thought. see New York City and hear a little and bit of music. jazz, I'm not in. Okay? <laughs> nope. I'm out. Get it out of here. This, it's not a rom-com. Exactly. <sighs> yeah. Well, you guys are both yeah. writers. Like, do you actually, like, like the, the repartee in this movie? Do you think it qualifies as, like, a, a classic of the genre? Yeah. 
think so. <laughs> said said tentatively. I, know, I had to think, I I had like to think back to, think. to it. Yeah. I also, I will say, like, I think one of the things that kind of holds me back from loving this movie is that they spend so little time being attracted to each other. Yeah. Like, so much of it mm. is just them being friends, which I understand is, like, the premise. But, like, usually oh, with yeah. rom-coms, it's, like, guy meets girl. The whole movie is, like, them, like, trying to figure out how to be in a relationship or whatever. And so I think that kind of threw me off. But I think, I mean, Billy Crystal has that kind of, like, kind of like Vince Vaughn of, mm. like, <laughs> just always has, like, something to say. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he's Vince Vaughn before Vince Vaughn was around. Mm. Um, Too short, but yes. Yeah. There's not enough tension in the buildup, I think. Yeah, yeah. I would actually agree with that. There's no, there's there's just no heat in there. You don't see them like making eyes at each other or kind of like elevatorizing each other at any point. The game night scene. There's like a little bit of that. Like they're like, Game night always brings it out. (laughs) In the breakup, they had a game night. Nothing but tension. breakup in this. Wow. Okay. We solved it. Breakup is just a ripoff now. <laughs> it is. It really is. I just copy and pasted the script. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's our final thought. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Segue. You guys, I'm so sorry. Um, thank you guys both. This has been so <laughs> much fun. on the show. This has been a blast. <laughs> thank you so much us. for coming today. <laughs> well, folks, thank you for listening to Too Much Information. Special guest edition with Brooke Sifrin and Arisha Skidmore-Williams of the podcast Even the Rich. Be sure to check it out. And... Plays melancholy for baby. <laughs> I'm really still Ladies hung up on that Ladies and gentlemen, Harry one. Connick Jr. Ladies and gentlemen, Harry Connick Jr. to play us out. <laughs> and my name's Harry Connick Jr. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Too Much Information was a production of iHeartRadio. The show's executive producers are Noel Brown and Jordan Runtog. The show's supervising producer is Michael Alder June. The show was researched, written, and hosted by Jordan Runtog and Alex Heigl. With original music by Seth Applebaum and the Ghost Funk Orchestra. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 
10, we were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 